Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, Bucket Snake? How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I got a question for you. All right. If you had a robot, what kind of robot would you want? Like, what would it do? Oh, like what would its function be? Yeah. Would um, you want that like did a bunch of stuff? Like that robot from the Dark Tower, Andy. Oh yeah. Many other functions. Not like all around robot. I don't know. Not because like a Jetson house or everything is oh Rosie automated. Um, no, I don't, but I like doing those things. Yeah? Yeah. I like taking care of my house. That's, like, an enjoyable thing to me. Yeah. So I don't know. What do I need a robot for? I like driving. I don't want my car to drive for me. No? No. I think that'd be kind of fun just to... Uh, Yeah, I don't know either. I do like driving, but it'd be nice to be able to, like, you know, if you're going somewhere scenic, be able to actually look at the scenery. Uh, yeah. No, I... Maybe... Just drive me home from work. Yeah. <laughs> so that I can, like, take a nap, and then when I get home, I'll be like, all right, I'm awake. Because I always, I'm driving home from work, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get some stuff done. But by the time I drive across town, I'm like, I'm tired. Right. I'm sleep- I've been sitting, and I'm sleepy. Yeah. I don't know that that would really, you'd still, you'd be sleepier, I feel like, because you wouldn't even have to pay attention. Maybe you could take a little nap, and That's then you'd, what get I mean, home, you'd yeah. be ready to go. I'm just like, take a little nap. Yeah. I'm good at little naps. <laughs> I am not. I don't know. Walk your dog, maybe? Yeah. That, I mean, as long as the weather is nice, that's enjoyable. But if the weather's not nice, yeah, I'd be like, all right, take the dog out. I'll yeah. do it when it's sunny. You're a robot. You do it when it sucks outside. Yeah. I hate doing laundry. Yeah. I hate putting the laundry away. That's the part that always gets me. I feel like it'd be hard to train a robot how to do that, though. Yeah. All my clothes go in such specific places. Do they? Yes. <laughs> they I do. I mean, pres- <laughs> Presumably you would have a receptacle that the robot could understand. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having a like a bigger closet. So it'd be like, just put the things here. And if it's this type, I don't know. I yeah. don't know how advanced you, this yeah, robot you, is. Yeah. But... It just have to be an advanced robot. So you could be like, listen. Yeah. The things with the collars cut out have to be folded or they're going <laughs> to fall off the hanger. True. We organize the hanging clothes by sh- sleeve length. <laughs> Uh, the socks go in this drawer. The underwear goes in this drawer. Also with the bras, but the sports bras go in this drawer. Yeah, you get the workout drawer. Right. Same. So. That's fair. There's a lot of different yeah, places that clothes go. But yeah. if a robot could be trained, sure. Save yeah. me some time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice. I mean, laundry is not even, it's not even that bad. It just takes a damn long. It really doesn't take that long. But you have to remember that you're doing it. Yeah. If you're like, okay, I'm going to wash the dishes, you can just stand in front of your sink and be like, the next 25 minutes yeah. I'll be standing in front of the and sink, done. listening to a podcast, the dishes are done. Yeah. But with laundry, you're like, I got to put it in the thing. 45 minutes from now, I got to go take yeah. it out and move it. And I forget. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because mine is in the basement. Sit in there forever. Yeah. Oh, I want and a robot put it away. that does the cat litter. I hate oh, doing God, the cat yes. litter. 
I forget that it's there. Yes. And I feel bad. Yep. Because it gets gross. Yep. I don't want to do it. That's a good robot. They make them. Yeah. But I'm not going to buy one. Because I should just do it. <laughs> Would you want it to have a personality no. that you can talk to no. it? <laughs> it's your friend. <laughs> no, I've... I Okay. I have seen the movies. All yep. right. Yeah. No. No. It's always heartbreaking. I guess that's really my question is, would you want to have a robot in your house that you can talk to and be friends with? No. Yeah. I have five pets. But they don't talk back. The frogs do. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I have I six mean, pets. I mean, so does Grim. He yells all the time. But that's like, true. they don't, you know, you can't have a conversation. Yeah. You can't be friends with it. I don't know. Would I feel you like be that's a strange, like... Yeah, and it depends on, is it is it a robot, like a cyborg, android, you know, like, is it an artificial intelligence? Right. Because, I don't, what if you form an emotional attachment to something that doesn't have emotions? Like, that feels weird. Yeah. Because obviously we're emotionally attached to our pets. Yeah, but they love us too. Yeah. But like, if a but robot- does a robot love you? I don't know. Can a robot love you? I think there's a movie with Joaquin Phoenix about that. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so That's I don't know. true. Don't at me. And then, I mean, Bicentennial Man is kind of about that same thing. Wish yeah. we'll do that one eventually. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. We'll definitely do a Robin Williams block. I think so. Yeah. We gotta. Where I will have an even harder time yeah. than March Sadness. Yep. That'll be great. It's fine. Anyway. Anyway, why are we talking about robots, Meat Wedge? Well, this week we're talking about the Iron Giant. I watched it once. Yeah. I've seen it once. And that was it. And that's all. I uh, remember very little about it. I don't think I remember anything except that Vin Diesel is the voice of the robot. Hell yeah. That's it. Love him. I think. There is a little boy. Yeah. He finds a robot in the woods. Yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah, and I think it's like, I'm going to be wrong. I'm always wrong. Hmm. But he's like, it's the, I think it's the classic trope of like, this robot is my friend, but everyone's like, no, it's big and scary. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah. And then at the end, I am fairly certain that the robot sacrifices itself for the little boy. Yeah, I think so too. I believe there's a point where he, he like, says flies off into the sky or something. Yeah, he says you stay, I'll go. Yeah. And then he calls himself Superman. Right. Yeah, he does something so. that sacrifices himself and then he's like in little pieces everywhere. Great. <laughs> I think can't wait for that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think that this one has a happy ending. No, I don't think so either. All right. I think this is the shortest intro we've ever done, but literally that's all I remember about that movie. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember anything. Nope. Uh, I I can see the art style. Yeah. It's always dark. Yeah, probably. I remember maybe. But we're going to learn a lot. Is it a Disney movie? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Pixar? DreamWorks? I don't know. Just want to rattle off studios? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might, you know, click. <laughs> I said one of them. I really don't know. Yeah, me neither. All right. I'm ready. All right, me too. Let's go. Let's do it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, that was a fucking predictable movie. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone who loves this movie. I don't hate it. I'm not going to talk a lot of shit on it, but I did kind of struggle to get through it. Yeah. Because I was like, I mean, I know it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. I don't really feel the need to like, I don't know. I didn't feel like any sense of urgency to be like, oh no, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of... It's pretty much like, yep, nope, that, yep, yep, that's what happens. Makes sense. Uh-huh. I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. The characters are really good. They're good. It's just the story that's kind of like... I mean, the characters yeah. are exactly what you expect them to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I guess Dean was really the only one that I was like, he's kind of different, because he's just like, art! Which he's is like art. Yeah. You know, I don't see that a lot. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. He's well. different, but he is a character from that era. Yeah. You know? Sure. Like, it's set in the late 50s, early 60s. Like, he's a beatnik. That's what he is. That's true. So. Anyway, the IMDb summary says, mm -hmm. A young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy. And that's... That's it. That's it. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. You've seen it. Yep. We've all seen it. Yeah, alright. So, um, the movie is Warner Brothers. I don't think I guessed that one. No, that was we not on your list. Talking about who made it. Yeah. Um, probably because this was, like, one of the few that they did. That's true. They don't do a lot of movies, right? They're mostly TV shows. They, they do, yeah, some, but not, like, they're not, like, Disney or DreamWorks or, right. yeah. They did a few. Yeah. This was, I think, when they merged with, like, Turner entertainment or something yeah yeah or time war time warner turner uh, we'll talk about it later it's yeah in my, it's but in yeah. my notes that anyway was, that was the time yes yeah so yeah, i mean when i think the wb i think animaniacs and batman the animated series and, and looney tunes and looney tunes yeah so are they responsible for space jam they must be it was their first animated movie was space jam nice yes all right so wb start out with some intense gong music to get you in the mood <laughs> Yeah, for this movie set in Maine. In the late 50s. Yeah. Yeah. And even from the very beginning, it's, like, very obvious that this is computer animated. Right. Not the whole thing, but, you know, you can tell the backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. And it's good, and it's done well, and it's nice and bright and stuff, but it does feel like very obvious early computer animation. Yes. In some, at some points. Yeah. And, I mean, you can tell, like, 
the transition between one and the other is not so seamless. Right. Because it's, you know, 1999. Just getting started. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Back when I was 12. I was say, is this the latest movie that we've done? Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. I think 97 beforehand was the only. Yeah. Or was the latest year. All right. Yeah. So we start out in Earth, 1957, which is the year my mom was born. Earth, as Will Smith calls it. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> yeah. 1957, something hurtling towards the Earth off the coast of Maine. Mm-hmm. There was a man lost in a storm at sea. Yes. He thinks he sees a lighthouse. Yeah. Alas. <laughs> it is a giant robot. It ain't. And then he gets washed overboard. But then he ends up on the lighthouse, so it's like, oh, did he actually just see the lighthouse? And right. And he is crazy and or drunk. Or, you know, just scared, because he's in the middle of sure. being murdered by the ocean. I mean... We've all been there. It's you scary. gotta respect the ocean. It's true. <laughs> Damn ocean, you scary. <laughs> <laughs> then we fast forward next morning, I presume. Doesn't say, but the sun's up. Yeah. It is at least a morning. And we're introduced to our main character. Hogarth. Hogarth. This poor child. Hogarth Brooks? Hughes. Hogarth Brooks. The country singer, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So he takes off his cowboy hat and he's like, Mom. (laughs) Now I'm Chris (laughs) Kane. Can we have a pet squirrel? Fuck. (laughs) He's in his, uh, presumably the diner that his mom works at, we see. He has a box. He's like, Mom, look, I found a friend. He's not a pet. He's a friend. It's fine. It'll it's be fine. fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't. We've, we've talked about it. He understands. Yes. He's a pet. Yes. He won't cause any problems. And she's like, Hogarth, this is like the thousandth wild animal that you have brought into our home and lives. And I really wish you would stop doing that. And he's like, this one's going to be different. Yeah. This. It's fine, Mom. But when he looks at the box, it's empty. It's gone. <laughs> and now there's just a squirrel loose in a diner, which is what you want. Yeah, classic. <laughs> classic trope, squirrel in a diner. <laughs> We've seen it so many times. <laughs> so Hogarth is chasing this squirrel around this diner. He's, it runs under a table, and so he tries to get the attention of the man at the table, who is, we assume, reading a newspaper, but it turns out he is living his best life, just passed out. Asleep AF, behind Asleep his newspaper. With his sunglasses on. Yep. Behind his newspaper. Which has a very revealing article that he's reading about Sputnik being launched into the oh, yeah. atmosphere, and this is really setting the setting the mood, the mood for set the tone. Yeah, the the tone of America at the time. Yeah, space race, etc. Yeah, and while he's um, there in this booth with this man, mm-hmm. whose name is Dean. Yeah, I, up until we learned his name, I just kept calling him Sunglasses. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and the booth next to them is the sailor from the previous night telling his story to a bunch of other old men yes about seeing the giant robot and everyone's like well you're crazy right you were probably drunk yeah oh it was unidentified with you probably whiskey or beer earl <laughs> i got him <laughs> i always hate that dude who like and i mean he's probably not supposed to be likable but who like says something very cutting yeah and then laughs at his own joke yeah. <laughs> Looks at he's looking around at everybody else at the table like <laughs> wasn't that a funny thing I just said? It's like oh, you're such a dick. In forty five years I'll like my own Facebook post. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so that guy sucks. Anyway He's talking about this thing that he saw and Dean says, Hey I saw it too. And they're like, 
Well, that's just further proof that it's not real. Yeah, this fucking guy over here with the soul patch and his sunglasses. <laughs> Give a shit what this guy says. Look at him. Yep. He was just asleep. Yeah, <laughs> what does he know? He doesn't even know what we're talking about. And it turns out he doesn't know what they're talking about because he didn't actually see anything. No, he was just trying to be nice. He was just trying to be nice, which is actually, it was really nice. Yeah, he was like, somebody's got to be nice to crazy people. Yeah, we don't do it who will. So, it's very kind of him. So it turns out, the squirrel during all this has not been just hanging out, being chill. The squirrel has made its way into Dean's pant leg. Yep. And Dean's trying to be chill about it. Yes. Because Hogarth's mom comes over. Yeah. And is like, where's where's this pet that you said you had found? And he's like, oh, I'm getting it. And he's like, Dean, please don't tell mom. She'll freak out. Right. So he he, he plays it off for a minute. To the best of his ability, but... He yeah. makes his way north. Yes. <laughs> so he stands up. Yep. And yells, sorry for what I'm about to do. And unzips his pants. It was really nice of him to warn everybody. He warned them yeah. and apologized in the same moment, you know, instead of just being like, I'm going to unzip my pants in the middle of this diner. Yeah. But it's just like a dick joke yep. six minutes in oh, yeah. to this children's movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. That answers my later question. Because I was like, it's rated PG for sexual content, but where, I guess it's just, I'm talking about whipping I mean, his dong out in the yeah, middle of this diner. It, if he, like, pulled his pants all the way down, I think it would have been a funnier, like, um... Almost like a slapstick gag. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be thinking about his penis specifically. Sure. You know? Yeah. But because all he does is unzip his fly. Yeah. And we see it from the back. You are presumed right. to imagine with your mind. <laughs> if oh, you is will, that what that's for? <laughs> what may be coming out of well, it, I mean, yeah. the unzipped pant. Except for it's immediately a squirrel. Right. But the implication yes. is enough to get a PG rating. Yes. Is what I'm saying. You're right. And then Dean says, mm, Jack, please. <laughs> he does. And I assume he gets his check. <laughs> yeah, they probably want to get him like, out of there as soon as possible. Please leave. This one's on the house. Get out. <laughs> Never talk to my son again. You fucking weirdo. I mean, I guess at least Annie knows what was happening is that Hogarth was like, I brought a squirrel. And then she was like, where is it? And he's like, I, I don't and know. And there it is. In that weird man's pants. But for a second there, she's just like, that guy is bad at talking to women. And then he pulled his dick out in the middle of the diner. And then she's like, oh, no, squirrel. She puts it all together. She's, I think she's pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, hopefully she put it all together. Or she thinks that this man just came in with a squirrel already in his pants. <laughs> and it was there for who knows how long. They were both asleep. But then the squirrel woke up. I mean, the squirrel. And was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. Whew. Quick cut scene. I do feel like the there's not a lot of transition between scenes here. Nope. Um, we are cramming the expose in there real quick because we have a giant metal man to get to. Oh, yeah, true. So we cut to, what's his mom's name? Annie. Annie. Annie calling Hogarth to say that she has to work late. She's like, take care of yourself. Don't watch anything scary. Eat the whatever I left in the fridge. And yeah. he's like, mom. <laughs> it's me. It's me. She says, get in bed by 8 p.m. I mean, he's, like, 11, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you gonna enforce that over the phone, Annie? No. No. No, no, no. So, then we see him watching some creepy movies. Yes. With, Eating uh, Twinkies. Yeah, Twinkies with extra whipped cream. It's, like, 9.30 at he night. He made himself a little fort tent. It's very cute. It's adorable. Yeah. That's probably what I would have done. It was very cute with his, like, mouthful of popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's watching this very 50s horror movie about, like, a living brain. 
Oh, yeah. It's just, it's classic. Which, I mean, this man in this movie, not to critique the movie within the movie, but this man just leaves a brain on the floor of his lab and is like, well, you want to fuck? Like, <laughs> he's just ready to go. Classic. He just goes, oh, I'll clean it up in the morning. It's a human brain. It's fine. It's not going anywhere. Just leave it there on the floor of the lab. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> so Hogarth hears something while he's watching this creepy movie. He's, like, looking around. He doesn't see anything, but then the TV stops working. So he's like, I'll go climb up on the roof and look at the antenna, which I forgot is a thing that people did up until, like, probably 2005. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta go see what the antenna's doing. Yeah. He just climbs up on the roof. I mean, people... I feel like this was so common in, like, sitcoms and everything when we were kids. People messing with the antenna. It was such, like, a plot device to be like, well, so-and-so broke his leg because he was fixing the antenna falling off the roof or whatever yeah yeah so he goes to look at the antenna and while he's up there he notices a trail of destruction well the antenna's gone yeah and he can see from his vantage point on the roof that the whole yard has been destroyed Mm -hmm. all the way out to the tree line yes he's like i'm gonna go investigate Mm -hmm. he whispers invaders from mars yeah yeah i wrote uh i didn't remember this being a fox Mulder origin story Oh, that's cute. He's like, I'm gonna go get him. He's not afraid at all. No. And he give this kid all the props. He's yeah. just like, whoa, tight. First he's excited, and then he's like, alright, I'm strapping my flashlight to my BB gun. I am going into the woods by myself in the dark. This path of destruction is big. 50 feet high. Yeah. He knows it's something big. And he's like, eh, Also, the way that he, like, taped his that flashlight to the front of his gun, if he actually had to shoot his gun, it would just hit the flashlight. <laughs> Because that's so wide. Right. The bulb is so wide. Yeah. And I was like, that's not doing you any good, buddy. Yeah. But, yeah, and they do show that he, like, is scared. Yeah. But he keeps going. Yeah. Because he's so curious. Still brave. Mm-hmm. And he starts hearing some weird electricity noises. Yes. And he sees the power station. Yes. Glowing. Yeah, it's bright. Yeah. I mean, you probably would be able to... I mean, I, I guess you don't know how long he's walking, but... Mm. I feel like he would be able to see that from his house. The power station glow? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would keep me up. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the power station is only growing because the giant is messing with it. Because mm. you drive by power stations all the time. They don't glow. That's true. There aren't any, aren't any actual, like, light bulbs on it. It's just a bunch of metal. Oh. That, I don't know. I'm not an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> Could have fooled me. <laughs> So he's like looking at it and he's like, why this is bright. Why is it so bright? What's out here? What's going on? What are those weird noises? And then behind him comes the iron giant. There's some eyeballs. It's terrifying. And he's just eating the metal of the power station. Mm -hmm. And the giant gets zapped and trapped in the power lines. Yep. And all the electric in town goes out. Yep. And the power station's falling apart. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. So many scenes, starting with this one. Where you're like, I know that they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. They're in, like, rural Maine or whatever. But nobody notices that this is happening. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe from their house they're just like, what's that noise out there? But, like, yeah, it just seems very, like, there's so much big metal noises throughout this whole movie. Yeah, and they are, you know, you get the impression that everyone in this time period is on edge. Yeah. And, like, ready for major destruction. Right. Because of the propaganda of the Cold War. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you would think they would notice. But also, I think the implication, too, is that it's so, like, hilly in the area. Yeah. You know, that, like, if the giant is, like, down in a valley or up on a hill, you know, like, 
Yeah, it's easier to be. Yeah, it's not like they're in Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) True. And you can hide in all the forest and stuff. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, his mom comes home and is like looking around for him. Mm -hmm. Doesn't see him anywhere. Yeah, she's annoyed at first, but then she's more concerned because she can't find him. Power goes out in the middle of her. She seems very unperturbed by the power going out. Oh, yeah. She She's just, like, well, grab immediately a grabs a flight. Well, she's got bigger concerns on yeah. her mind, I guess, that her child is not answering her. So, uh, Hogarth runs away. Although, yeah, she told him to be in bed by eight, so. Yeah. Really, he should just be in bed asleep. He and should. she comes home and is hollering. It's like, yeah. Mom, I was sleeping. Yeah, That's don't worry. your instructions. Right. <laughs> but maybe she knows her kid well enough to know that, like, she does see his fort that he's built. Yeah, and the TV was on. Yeah. Until the power went out. All right. Anyway, Hogarth runs away from the giant being electrocuted by the power station, but he decides that he needs to go back and help. Yes. So he runs up and somehow doesn't get electrocuted by flipping off the switch. I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah, but it would Safety. also be, you would think, because everything on this whole station is like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's the technical term. I am an electrician. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's the sound. Uh-huh. So, the giant falls down mm-hmm. after the power goes out. Hogarth must investigate. Yes. He climbs on his face immediately, which... Well, he throws rocks at him I know, from but... a distance, and then, yeah, he climbs up on him. I'm worried about how long does metal... Stay hot? Hold electricity and stay hot. Yeah, like... I don't know. Do you still get zapped? I don't know if you would get zapped. It might be hot depending on the type of metal i don't know how long iron holds right. heat because like okay. aluminum you can touch it doesn't conduct much heat that's true but i don't know about iron all right yeah so he's climbing on his face i don't know he seems fine yeah it's I mean, clearly but it wakes up and he runs away and his mom drives up and finds him and he's like oh my god mom i just saw our giant robot it was so tight it was stuck in the power lines and I saved him. And mm-hmm. she's like, I just cannot handle this right now. I thought you were dead. Right. I worked however many hours I just worked. Yeah. Can we please go home? Right. And you get the impression, too, that he does this a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's just, like, immediately annoyed. Yes. Once she knows that he's safe, she's just like, I, I cannot with you <laughs> right now. We're going home and you're going to bed. But also, I mean, like... <sighs> He spends so much time alone. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to be... All he's got is his imagination. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's not her fault that he doesn't have any friends. Yeah. Everything else is her fault, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Hergarth is at school the next day, watching an educational show about the atomic holocaust. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is to survive an atomic holocaust is crawl under your desk. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I remember that. Common knowledge. From the last atomic holocaust. Sounds like a really bad metal band. <laughs> yes, it does. It sounds like like a fake metal bit. Like a somebody would write a movie about something and there would be a metal band. Yeah, they'd and they're like, like, that's what metal bands would call themselves, and no like self respecting metal band would ever call themselves Atomic Holocaust. Right. Sorry, Atomic Holocaust, wherever you are <laughs> listening to this podcast. We know you respect yourself. It's fine. So yeah, they they were watching this, but the kids aren't really paying attention. They're more gossiping about what the crazy fisherman saw. Mm-hmm. And Hogarth is like, "Hey man, I saw it too." All right. Yep. He's immediately ready to defend this giant. Like he barely spent any time with him, but they're like, "Uh, there's a crazy something in the woods, and we should shoot it on sight." And Hogarth's like, "Hey, no, 
Yeah. Like, you don't know if it's good or bad, man. Yeah, maybe you should cheat it on site. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, you saved its life, but that doesn't mean it's, like, friendly. You didn't talk to it. So, cut to Dean buying the tractor that has a bite taken out of it. <laughs> He's like, well, I wish I could give you more, but, you know, it's... Okay. This actually... So you did not watch the signature edition. Oh, is there another before scene? Before that, there's a very short scene of Dean at the diner mm-hmm. talking to Annie. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's super short, but he says, uh, sorry about yesterday. I'm normally not... And she's like, you're normally not like that? And he's like, right. And they're, like, flirting with each other, and they are way too close to each other because oh. there has to be a romance in this movie. Because I actually read somewhere that if you don't put a romance in a kid's movie, they'll take you straight to jail. Like, you don't get a trial or anything. They just... Oh, right. you made a kid's movie, but there wasn't a romance in it? Right to jail. Straight to jail. So kind of shoehorn it in there right here in this moment you undercook fish jail <laughs> you overcook chicken jail no also romance jail. in kids movie right to jail believe it or not jail <laughs> but um hey and he says i just think how garth is lonely yeah girl yeah no shit and then dean says yeah but he's a good kid and the scene confuses me because i can't figure out how well they know each other yeah because Dean's talking about Hogarth like he knows him when they just met yesterday. Yeah, is that the first time they met? Yeah, I mean, he that's when he first learned his name. That's he's interesting. He's like, call me Dean. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is interesting, though, because obviously he's the man. He's the weird guy who makes junkyard art in the small town. Who right, eats everybody at, There are probably him. three diners in, you know, like... Right. Yeah, I mean, so are Annie and Hogarth new? No. You no. don't get the impression that they've just moved to town. No. You know, they've been there for a while. They've got a room for rent in their house. So I, do, I just really don't understand, like, the... Because, like, the way that Annie and Dean are talking, it it feels very familiar and flirty. Right. But then they they all clearly just met yesterday because Annie's like, is this man? But, you know, are you bothering this man? She doesn't right. know him. Yeah. It's just really weird. And he's like, he's a good kid. Like, you don't know that. Maybe he set a bunch of fires. Like, you have no idea <laughs> if he's a good kid or not. That's it's the fifties too though. You just like assume he's a good kid. You I assume, guess. You know, you assume the good of a child, of a giant robot, of a man that lives in a junkyard. Yes. It's the fifties. Wholesome. You know? you Everybody just, is probably good. As long as they're white. <laughs> and they're in Maine, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, so Yikes. then this guy comes in and says, Dean, I got something for you. And it's a tractor with a giant bite out of it. And he says oh, there's a giant bite taken out of this tractor. And the guy says, yeah, that's why I'm selling it. Because the giant bite out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that, it's that a tracks. Reason. Yeah. The tractors. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. And so Earl, which is the fisherman's name, yes. is talking to him and he's like, I really did see something. And I called the, the government. government. Yep. And they are sending someone. Yep. And someone does show up. I said, the government has sent a square. Because, <laughs> whoo, this is the most G-Man, G-Man I think I've ever seen. Yeah, very classic G-Man. Yeah. He's mostly Chin. Yep. But yeah, he shows up and he doesn't really believe any of it, obviously. No. He's like investigating the power station, looking around, making silly remarks, making fun of the guy that's with him. So he's like, I'm gonna leave. And then he gets back to his car. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> half my car is gone oh yeah that's his response he goes hmm. oh. <laughs> oh. 
I could have swore. I remember having a passenger seat. I drove an entire car here. Pretty sure there was a tuna sandwich resting on it. <laughs> Not one hour ago. He goes back to get Marv to show him. To be like, look, it is real. And by the time he gets back, his car is entirely gone. Yes. Something has eaten it. Yes. What could it have been? Something with teeth. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Actually, just Dean stole it for a scrap. <laughs> He's like, well, this has a bite taken out of it, too. Yeah. So. From here on out, anything with a giant bite taken out of it, I'm just taking it. Take it to Dean. So Hogarth uh, is trying to find the robot using metal as bait. Yes. And he has his camera around his neck. He has one tiny... It was nice of him to bring a snack, but I said, that's like a single ridged chip. <laughs> it is a cashew. Yeah. It's not... <laughs> to this but I giant. mean, also, he's a child. How much scrap metal can he carry out that's of true. the woods? That's about as much as I could probably carry, to be fair. <laughs> or would want to carry. Yeah. But he falls asleep. Yeah, he's out there all day. Yeah. They show the sun going down, basically. Yeah. Um, But when he wakes up, the metal has moved. <gasps> and there's the giant! Oh, God! And it chases him through the forest. And he hits his head. He gets clotheslined by that tree. Because he, he's not watching where he's going. Yeah, he pulls a real chance from Homeward Bound on that tree. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this was also an accident? Yeah. <laughs> I'm clotheslining himself. This is a really clumsy cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't draw him that way. He just no. So, yeah, he falls down. Uh-huh. And the giant sits down next to him. Yeah, he, like, crouches yeah. in one... One motion. He's mm-hmm. just like standing and then he's not. And I think it's very cute the way he's like moving. He kind it's of terrifying, but also. Also, the way that yeah. Garth is sitting too, yeah. which is sweet. Um, and he shows him the shutoff switch, kind of in an obvious way to say thank you for saving me. Right. Like, I know that it was you. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. And so then Hogarth knows, oh, you're not going to kill me. Great. Right. And so he's try- Hogarth is trying to ask the giant where he came from and trying to like get him to talk and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he makes a really terrible noise. Yes. Like, what you would imagine, something that eats metal. Yeah. What its vocal cords would sound like. Yeah. Like yeah. putting a bunch of rocks in a garbage disposal. Yeah. That's what but it sounds like. if that garbage disposal were also Vin Diesel. Yes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> the newest model of garbage disposal. The Vin Diesel 5000. <laughs> I'll take... Well, I'll take one. I only have one sink. But if I could take more than one... <laughs> So Hogarth starts teaching him English. That's a rock. This is a tree. Rog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just keeps saying rog with two Gs, which is cute. Yeah. So Hogarth is really excited about it. Yeah, he should be. He's made a friend. That's dope. He's a weird pet. It's a cool That's friend. he's ever wanted. Yeah. Um, but he knows he can't tell anyone. Right. He's like, everyone will flip the fuck out because you look big and scary. Yeah, they'll wig out. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> So he has to go home because it's getting dark and he's like trying to explain to the giant that he can't follow him. He's like, just wait here until tomorrow. Yes. But he doesn't. No. He follows him home. Follows him on his way back home. Mm -hmm. Um, But he sees the train track. Yes. In between there, though, we get this little clip of Kent at the mayor's office. Oh. Did you... (laughs) Was that in your... I don't have a note about it. No. It just... It's setting up sort of how exasperated this man is that people don't believe him when he goes places that he's like you know he's calling the mayor and he's telling them like that wasn't a meteor you know he's just like trying to explain to them like something very real is out there and they're all like what maybe i did see that yeah there's like 10 people in this town what do you want us to do yeah also are you crazy it just sort of (laughs) sets up 
You, you man from out of town are telling me that something ate your car? Right. Cool. Okay. You do something about it then. What do you want from me? It it just sets up his, uh, his Fox Mulder character arc where he, like, works in this goofy-ass department at the FBI and no one believes anything that he says. Right. Basically. So anyway, yeah, so then we see the Iron Giant following Hogarth home and he sees the train tracks. And he's like, ooh, a snack. But then Hogarth is like, oh no, there is a train coming. Right. We need those tracks. Put those back. Then he does. He, he figures it out. Yeah, he does a um, great job. Yeah, he puts them back together exactly, but he does not move his head in time. Yeah, it takes too long. Gets hit by the train. Yeah. And then he dies. The end. The end. No, he's fine. I mean, there's chunks missing, but... But it's fine. He's fine. Um. Yeah, this is where we get the illustration that... If parts fall off of the giant, he kind of has like a little beacon. Mm-hmm. So all of the parts make their way back together yeah. to put himself back together. Yes. Which is a pretty cool trick. I wish yes. I could do that. I mean, I don't routinely fall apart, but if I could like lay in bed and just sort of like fix the things in my body Realign. that are broken, that yeah. would be great. What if all your parts did follow you though? And like you woke up and the next morning there's just a little pile of like your hairs. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> like some fingernail clippings? Yeah. That would be awful. <laughs> a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need this. I don't need... Thank you, but... No. So, um, yeah, Kent's at the mayor's office, and he gets a call, or the mayor's office gets a call while Kent is there mm-hmm. um, about the train wreck, so he's like, that's it. I'm going to investigate. Yeah, just that's snatches the that phone right out of that man's hand, because he's rude entitled kent mansley i just really don't like this guy so the giant goes to hide in the barn and mm-hmm. is like kind of putting himself back together mm-hmm. and uh hogarth is out in the barn with him but here's his mom from home so he's like oh i gotta go yep you stay in here i'm going inside and the giant's like wait a minute realizes his hand has not returned yet something is missing so kent is investigating the train wreck and he hears from the conductor that it was a giant metal man yeah and Kent says, I need a phone. Where's the nearest phone? Mm-hmm. Turns out, the nearest phone is at Hogarth and Annie's house. Eee, convenient. So we cut back to Hogarth and Annie eating dinner. <laughs> and Hogarth realizes that the giant's hand is in their house. Mm-hmm. Just watching TV. Yeah. Hanging out. Yeah, poking around, looking at stuff as though it can see. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I mean, maybe it can. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been an iron giant. <laughs> I don't intend to start. We get this classic scene of Hogarth trying to talk to one person while not alerting the other person. Oh yeah, he's praying. Yeah, he's saying saying grace. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh Please my god! Help us get out of here <laughs> and stop Satan, the devil, <laughs> from doing bad things. <laughs> yes, get out of here, Satan. <laughs> it's very cute. It is. It is. Yeah, he. He's trying to sneak him out. Yeah. Um, and he gets him to the front door, and then when he opens it, fucking Kent Mansley is standing there. Kent Mansley, I work for the government. Yes, and he slams the door in his face. <laughs> slams it. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. And yeah, goes to hide the hand, and then re-answers the door. Or whatever. Yes. At this point, I need to know. Yes. What color is Annie's hair? It's um. Because sometimes it's really red. Yes. And sometimes it's just brown. Yes. I can't, because I remember thinking earlier on, because she's voiced by Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. and I was like, 
oh, Jennifer Aniston voicing a character that has hair the same color as Ariel is kind of, like, an interesting thing. Yeah. Because Jennifer Aniston is always known for her hair uh-huh. being, you know, she's blonde, she has that blonde hair and everybody wanted her haircut when she was right. on Friends and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Right. I think about hair a lot. Can't imagine why. But yeah, her hair was, like, bright red when she was at the diner and now it's just brown. Yeah. It's the, the lighting is very different. Yes, the cartoon the lighting. <laughs> No, the fluorescence in the diner, very different from the warm, soft glow of the bulbs in her home. Oh, it's the bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were an electrician. <laughs> Only about power stations. I gotcha. <laughs> Big picture. Not a... Only so far as I recognize the sound of electricity. <laughs> that sound. You know. Yes. Anyway... Annie goes to the door. Kent's there. <laughs> Kent Mansley, he works for the government. <laughs> immediately hits on her. He's staring at her titties first it's off. so gross. He's so gross. Ugh. And Ugh. He, he goes and borrows their phone and, mm-hmm. of course, calls his boss. And his boss is like, yeah, okay. You're an idiot. Hangs up on him. Fuck you. So Kent leaves. Yep. And as he's leaving, he's talking to himself. Yeah. Because he's like, Hogarth. What the fuck kind of name is Hogarth? Yeah, he calls him Hobart. And he's like, it's Hogarth. Yeah. He says, may as well name him Zeppo. Yeah. (laughs) He's such a dick. I know. I mean, he's right. Yeah. Because it's a fucking stupid name. It is. Yeah. Sorry. (sighs) Poor Hogarth. Poor Hogarth. Um, Yeah, he looks down and sees that the gun, the little BB gun he had recovered from the power station scene. Yes. Says Hogarth Hughes on it. It says Hog Hug. Right, hog hug. Hog hug cute. Oh. Hog hug. <laughs> he's like, hog hug, hog Hogarth Hughes. <laughs> also, I'm sorry about what I said earlier. If your name is Hogarth, just email us at replayrewindpodcast at gmail.com and I'll uh, issue you an apology specifically to you, Hogarth. Party on, Hogarth. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if that is your name, though, you should consider suing somebody. Who do you sue? I don't know. That's awful. My you should be mother. entitled to financial compensation. Oh, having to go through your life. Class action lawsuit of all Hogarth. <laughs> so Kent leaves, but he has realized that the gun belongs to Hogarth, so he goes back <laughs> again. Again. Hogarth answers the door again. He's like, he yeah, says, Kent Mansley. You, you work, work for the government, again. I get it. Um, but he hears the toilet flush, even though everyone is downstairs. He's right. like, ah, oh, who has flushed the toilet? So he runs up to the bathroom and sees that the giant's hand is just playing with the toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Which is very, um, have you seen the original Death at a Funeral? No. You should watch it. It's British. Yes. Alan Tudyk Mm -hmm. accidentally does too many drugs. (laughs) And there's a scene where he's sitting on this toilet in this house at a funeral, fully naked. (laughs) Just playing with toilet paper. (laughs) Just, like, rolling it out onto the floor. And he's just talking to it. Yeah. And he's like, there you go. (laughs) Okay. Join the others. Yes. (laughs) This made me think of. <laughs> Maybe Alan Tudyk watched this movie to get prepared for that role. Mm-hmm. So he pushes the hand out the window. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why the hand is not attempting to rejoin the robot. Because it doesn't want to? Is it having too much fun? Yeah, dicking this, around the Hughes home? This part doesn't really make sense. Because yeah. the the giant himself does not have this playful side. Right. So I don't know why the hand would. I don't know. Yeah, because the giant isn't like, hell yeah, I love to watch TV and right. flush toilets. You know, like, yeah. the, this hand is comedic. Right. And the giant is not. So I don't really it's get it. has got its own brain, and it's just finally like, 
It's kind of free. It's like an octopus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's just super strange as to why it's not, you know, that one screw that held his jaw on was like rolled up. But yeah, his whole hand is like, like eh, I'm just going to wander around the house and Fuck poke shit. stuff. And yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. Clearly a plot device. Yeah. Um. So pushes the hand out the window. Hogarth yeah. goes out to the barn to read him a bedtime story. Yeah. <laughs> Hogarth risks exposing himself to this government man. Oh, yeah. Because he's in, he's in there making a lot of grunting noises. And then Kent makes a poop joke about how you should always... Chew your food. Chew your food, and then they finally right, open Kellogg. the door, and, and uh, Hogarth has <laughs> pulled his pants off and is sitting on the toilet. He's like, Mom! Smart thinking, though. He's, you know, he's a yeah. resourceful boy. He is. He's brave and he's clever and resourceful. He's brave and he's clever and he's never been better. I don't know. That needed to be a jingle. Anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah. then Kent leaves. Kent finally leaves. On a very threatening note. Oh, what does he say? I don't remember. I don't remember, but it's just something like, oh, I'm sure... He says something like, I'll, I'll see you again real soon. And it's just very like, man. And he's like, okay, bye! Because she's dumb as shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's nice, but like, she is very trusting. And it concerns yeah. me. Well, I mean, you know, small town America, whatever. But she's like a hundred pound lady that lives by herself with her 11 year old boy. And she's just like, okay, government man. That this was just glaring at my son and won't leave us alone. Before the seventies, before the serial killer. <laughs> That's true. Wasn't even a thing yet. Yeah. Anyway. So Hogarth goes out there, takes him a bunch of stories, which is adorable. And he's like, I thought you might want a bedtime story. Yeah. And he's telling him about all the comic books that he has. Mm hmm. And he tells him that he's like Superman because he's good. He's, he's a good not guy. like Atomo, the bad big The robot. metal menace. That looks exactly like him. Right. He is. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells him he's Superman because he's good. He's a good guy. Don't worry about it. Do they go to bed now? No. Or is this when Hogarth is like, oh, you're hungry. We have to get you food. Yes. His okay. stomach starts rumbling. Right. Because he gets hungry. Because so, he has a stomach. At this point, I'm wondering... This giant, does it poop? <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I'm pointing at my notes because I too would like to know. <laughs> because the implication of like consuming something and then being empty again implies. Yeah, unless giant he's poop. so efficient that he just like breaks it completely down and there's no waste. And he doesn't need to poop. I guess, but if you don't expel anything, then you're just increasingly growing. <laughs> that's true <laughs> I mean at least in density anyway yeah, maybe he's getting heavier I don't know maybe anyway so this giant's pooping <laughs> nobody's noticed any big metal I guess it's just metal town. so they would just be like oh just metal it's not you know <laughs> there's just... a deleted scene with Dean just wandering around and he just sees a big metal turd and he's like well I'll guess I'll take this also couldn't he just never mind like, if he poops metal, he could just eat it again. Oh, like a rabbit. I guess. I don't know. Do rabbits eat their own poops? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. They don't get all the nutrients out of it the first time, so they gotta eat it again. I hate that. Yeah. Anyway, if you know anything about the digestive system of robots, send us an email at Replay Rewind. Yeah, please let us know. We'd love podcast. to hear from you. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. So... They go for a walk, which is cute, because the giant, like, picks up Hogarth, and so he gets to see, you know, the world from 50 feet up or whatever, and uh -huh. for some reason, the giant gets really stoked about Rockwell. Like, he sees the town, and he's like, 
yeah and hogar's like no 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 i think the you can't go rushing towards this town is the because he knows the word rock yeah so he's, he's just like, like oh fire. rocks but why he doesn't, he doesn't eat rocks i know i don't, don't know care either. about rocks i don't get it that's weird but he's just like they're not ready for you yeah which is true which is true so then we see a car sitting on the side of the road and yeah and hogarth's like you could eat that because it's been sitting here forever and it won't hurt anything yeah but then fucking dean shows up this man is everywhere yes dean had the same thought that's been sitting there forever i'm taking it it's yeah so he shows up to tow it and they have to hide and the way he hides is by like blending in with that billboard in the background mm-hmm. holding a big burger yeah which is cute but that gives Hogarth the idea, oh, there's a fucking junkyard in this town yeah. full of scrap metal. Yeah. Why don't we just go there? Yes. It's like a golden corral for ro- giant robots. <laughs> <laughs> All you can eat. Yeah. So they do. That. Yeah, and while they're there. Because he's like, me and Dean are friends. Yeah. Now. Because my squirrel climbed up his pants. <laughs> so. <laughs> How did you guys meet? <laughs> well, kids, you'll never believe. <laughs> Yeah, so he goes over there and he's like, yeah, eat whatever you want. And the giant's like picking stuff up, eating it, bites into a car, and the horn goes off. And that giant just hucks it. I know, where does it land? <laughs> Hopefully in the ocean. Yeah. And not, not like on someone's house. In Canada. Yeah. <laughs> or like, hopefully he chucked it east and not <laughs> north or west. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he hucks it, but it that still wakes up Dean. He wakes up. Yeah. He's like, who's out there? stealing scrap and uh yeah he's just like oh it's just me it's just me your little friend hogarth remember the squirrel hey hey. hi (laughs) got more squirrels (laughs) 11 p.m i'm just a child yeah i'm just wandering around a junkyard what up uh he goes into dean's house full of (laughs) art yes that he has made out of junk Mm -hmm. this next scene is weird is it when he gives him espresso yeah he like talks Hogarth talks Dean into giving him espresso. He's like, he's I'm hip. hip. I'm hip. He yeah. says. Yeah. It's just such an obvious metaphor for doing cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> he's cool. He's cool. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm hip. I can do coffee drugs. Coffee drugs. Um, I relate to this scene so hard, though, because this is how I feel on the inside when I drink caffeine. Yeah. Well, like, you get anxious and sweaty. All of my thoughts are going like a million miles an hour and I can't focus on anything. Yeah. But I have found, I started drinking this coffee from this brand called Snowing in Space. They have a half decaf nitro cold brew. Oh, that sounds tight. It's so good. Snowing in Space, please sponsor us. <laughs> I love you. Send me coffee. Yes, yeah, send us coffee, please. So it, him drinking the espresso, though, is like, he can't stop talking. Right. And then he's like, do you have any more coffee? Yeah. Which is, it's just so, I've never done drugs, so I don't know. But this is how people act. Right. <laughs> this is exactly how people act. Yeah. And he stays up until the sun comes up. This is such a drug scene, it's just weird. Yeah. That's all. It's just cl- a clear, obvious reference. And right, I he's know... hanging out in this, like, cool 50s artist guy's house. Yeah, and they're- Doing drugs. Doing espresso. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and I know that, like, in quote-unquote kids' movies, they always- you know, put jokes for adults, but this one just feels like a really weird one. Yeah, it's just, it's not a joke, it's a full-on scene. Yeah. Because, I mean, it has, it affects him later, and that he's, yeah, he stays up all night. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. But, you he's know. He's, like, 
pouring out all of his problems though to dean yeah you know he's like nobody in school likes me because i think he, he got moved up a grade yeah he skipped a grade because he's smart but he's like i'm not smart enough but he also just do the stupid homework yeah while he's explaining all of this dean hears a noise and yes. like runs outside and sees the giant mm-hmm. and dean's like oh we gotta run mm-hmm. and hogarth's like no he's nice don't squish him yeah and the giant picks up dean and dean is very nervous about mm-hmm. it but then Hogarth is like, can he stay here? <laughs> yep. Can we keep him? Yeah. And Dean, politely, because they're friends and he's such a good guy, says, fuck no, get off my property. Yes. But he wears him down. Yeah. It's probably the espresso. Yes. <laughs> so he says, okay, he can stay one night. And he, like, tucks him in, but the sun is already coming up. Yeah. Um, And Hogarth goes home and is, like, about to get in bed. And then his mom comes in and is like, oh, you're up already. Yeah. He's like, oh, just, just making a bed. Yeah. Yeah. Hogarth, I have a surprise for you. Come downstairs. And he goes downstairs and Kent Mansley, he works for the government, is sitting at their kitchen table like he fucking lives there, was because my note. he does. And then the next thing I said, oh, he goddamn lives there. I know. I hated the original implication that he had stayed the night because he had, like, slept with Annie or whatever. Right. But him renting the room, I was like, oh, okay, at least it's that. Yeah. But I still hate it. Yeah. I. They don't really present it as a i guess they just do it super subtly and maybe that's better i just feel like for a kids movie you expect it more to be they have the sign that's in the window but they never mention it and annie's working late but she's never like you know he's not like oh mom i wish you could come home and she's like well if we get that room rented and we get more money i won't have to they just don't mention it at all until she's like we finally rented that room and it's like oh was that like an issue yeah i guess so anyway, he's there. So he's there. in the newspaper. Badgering. Badgering Hogarth to tell him about the giant. Yes. Who's that sport? Mind if I ask you a few questions, buckaroo? <laughs> Why'd you tell your mom about a giant robot slugger? What'd you say to the power station, tiger? Did you tell anyone else about this, buddy? How big is this thing, ranger? Have you been in the forest lately, scout? Hey, where are you going, champ? Slugger. Hey, cowboy. Where are you going? Yes. Let's swap some stories, huh, chief? Yep. Good job. <laughs> I love the, that scene was very fun i wrote it all down it i also i made a whole list of all the names the only one you missed was skipper oh which i think is later i think yeah. I, I went and added it back later because he calls him skipper it's a lot he's a lot dean calls and is like hey your fucking robot is still here i said he could stay for the night yeah the sun is up now he got to go and and hogarth is like man i got, I got a lot of shit going on right now because a grown adult is following me around to my house and eavesdropping on my conversations. Calling me weird names because he can't remember my real name. And winking at me. Lots of winking. It is a lot. So he's like, anyway, I'm leaving now. And his mom's like, take Kent with you. Show him the sights. Show him the sights. Take this grown ass man with you who has a car. Well, he, yeah, he's got a car. You he got a new one. one. Yeah. He has his own car and presumably, um, you know, an adult view of the world and experience and can look at a town himself. Ah, oh, mom, the sights! <laughs> <laughs> Annie is just trying so hard to get... To have Hogarth have any friends, even if it's an inappropriate friend. Yeah. It, it, she should just be... I know it's the 50s, but she should just be more concerned about the fact that this government agent wants to hang out with her son so hard. And she's yeah. like, Hogarth, take him with you! Like, th- No. Annie. So back at the junkyard, the giant is eating some of Dean's art. And that is why Dean is upset. 
He's yep. like, come get your friend. Yeah. He's eating my shit. He's eating all my hard work. And shitting out my art. Yeah. Probably. Probably. <laughs> we gotta assume. So Hogarth and Kent go to the pharmacy, mm-hmm. to the fountain. Yeah, the soda soda fountain. Yeah. Um, to get milkshakes and talk about robots more, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cute right at the beginning. Hogarth is a really good actor. He's pretending like he actually wants to hang out with this dude, you know, and you think like, well, maybe he's just like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. I'm gonna roll with it. Yeah. I gotta entertain this guy. I guess I'll do it. No. He has Nay. drugged this man. <laughs> he has put chocolate laxative in his milkshake. Yep. It's called a landslide. It's new. I'm really glad they didn't call it a mudslide. I just now, in this second, almost called it a mudslide. And I was like, no, they were a little bit classier than that. Yeah. They called it a landslide. So good on them for that. So he he gets him to secretly eat this laxative. Yes. But then Kent goes off on, like, safety, basically. And is like, you don't know what's out there. Things are really scary and bad, and you need to tell me about this robot, basically. And he's, like, yelling at him. Yeah. At the soda fountain. With his mouth full of milkshake. With his mouth full of laxative milkshake. Gross. With his mouth full of landslide. <laughs> <laughs> um, this part is strange for several reasons. The first one being, his voice is so echoey. Yeah. Did you notice that? I did not. It sounds like he's in a stadium, but only him. That's really weird. It's like they recorded these vocals, like... In a bathroom. In an auditorium. Yeah, it's just very strange, because I huh. was like, are they, is this an accident, or are they implying that this place is really big? Like, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. That is weird. But at the end of his speech, the subtitles say, intestinal sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he runs off. <laughs> yes. Because in the eternal words of Stevie Nicks, the landslide brought him down. <laughs> That's it. I have to go. (laughs) This podcast is over. So, because of the landslide intestinal situation, he is able to escape from Kent and makes it back to the junkyard, Mm -hmm. where Dean is training the giant to make big art. Yeah, he realizes, wait, this dude, well, first off, he's got a knack. He's got an eye for art, Dean discovers. And he can pick up big stuff. (laughs) So... Yep. Cool. And Homer's gonna... like, this is my giant robot friend. Yeah. You've got him doing arts and crafts? Yeah. The fuck? So Hogarth's like, no, what he's good for is spinning me around in a car. Yeah. Until I throw up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But Dean's like, we're really pushing our luck here. Yeah. We gotta be cool. Yeah. We gotta stop being so blatant about having a giant robot. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we'll go to the lake. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Kent Mansley is interviewing people and pooping his way across the rural Maine. <laughs> Which I was like, you gotta, this man gotta stop by and get some Gatorade. He's going to be dehydrated <laughs> and die out there in the woods. The implication in, like, every movie where there's, like, laxative as plot device, yeah. that it is immediate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then not, doesn't affect you the rest of the day. Well, I mean, it does a little bit in that he's keeps interviewing people and then has to be like, did you have a bathroom? Yeah. But eventually it's fine. Stop and get a Gatorade, my dude. <laughs> Please. Actually, don't. Just drop it. But they go swimming. Yes. I mean, I get this is sort of, you know, where you were saying earlier, like, the giant's not, like, lighthearted. He's a little bit. I mean, he's, like, doing what? He's, he's a little yeah. silly. He does a cannonball. Hogarth jumps in the water and is like, come on, it's the water's fine. And it's, he's obviously very cold. Right. 
But then the robot, like, walk. he thinks he's walking away, but he actually just gets a good running start, does a big old cannonball, and just empties the lake. Yeah, just drains it. The... <laughs> I will say the the scene is very funny where yes. Dean like floats away, still reading his newspaper and sitting in his lawn chair. Yeah. And the man drives up in a truck and he's like, "Hey, yeah, you're in the middle of the street." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy goes, "All right." <laughs> that was good. It was. I like Dean a lot. Yeah, I did enjoy that. He's cute. But again, this is another thing that I'm like, no one. We see no kind of implication of this giant. Causing a flash flood in the woods. There's fish. Fish. Everywhere. Yeah. Like... No one saw the, like, mushroom cloud of water. Yeah, or heard <laughs> the giant running toward the lake. I right. mean, his steps are so big and loud. He's made... He's huge. And they're clearly not that far from the road. It's not like they're, like, out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, they're, they're not being cool, man. No, they have not chillaxed. No. Welcome to downtown Coolsville. <laughs> so I guess the, then they decide they're just gonna sneak around the woods. Yeah, try and be less conspicuous. Keep trying. Mm-hmm. Be less conspicuous. Yep. And this part did get me a little bit. Where they see the deer. Where they meet the deer. And he does like an ET moment with it, where he like pokes it with his finger, and the deer is like, like yeah, meets him. Yeah, it's very sweet. It is. But then they hear the guns, mm-hmm. and the deer has been shot. Yes. <sighs> and the giant is very sad. This part is really sad. sad. It is. It. I didn't cry, but I did get a little misty yeah, for a second. Yeah, because he, he tries to pick up its body, and Hogarth is freaking out, you he's know, like, no. and he's like, no, it's dead. You have to leave it there. Yeah. You Which know? I don't really I mean, understand. Yeah, you could have let him pick it up, unless, yeah. I mean, Hogarth is just grossed out. <laughs> he's like, don't touch that dead thing. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but the the um the hunters see the giant mm-hmm. run through the forest at them, and yeah. they like drop their guns and run off. Yes. And when the giant sees the guns on the ground, he his, goes into like kill mode. Yeah, his eyes turn red. Mm-hmm. Then he's fine. Yeah, he seems fine. Yeah, he's good. Hogarth is like guns kill. Yes. And the giant's like guns kill. Yeah, killing is bad, but dying is not bad. Yeah, he said, yeah, things die, it's a part of life. It's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. Mm-hmm. And the giant is like, am I gonna die, basically? And Hogarth yeah. is like, I genuinely don't know. Well, yeah, he says that, you know, he's like, you're made of metal, but you think and you have feelings and you try to do the right thing, so you probably have a soul. Yeah. My mom says all good things have souls and they go on forever and ever. Yep, and souls can't die, so... You won't die. So you're probably fine. Probably fine. Don't worry about it. A deer? That deer was a piece of shit. That's why I died. <laughs> what is the messaging here? I'm confused. Just that... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's I mean, just it... trying to explain souls. Right. Yeah. To a... Yeah, from the prospect of a child. Yeah. Before we see this deer die, we get this small scene of Kent Mansley. He works for the government. He's in their bathroom. He's finally stopped shitting himself to death. Hmm. And he is developing the photos that he found. Oh, yeah. From. Was that the part? Mm-hmm, from Hogarth's camera. Hmm. Which we get. Annie knocks on the door and she's like, I got that toilet paper that you wanted. I'm like, you got this girl out running errands for you. I just, this guy just sucks so much. Well, he was just trying to get rid of her so that he could develop the photos without her finding out. That's true. But he also. <laughs> spooping a lot. <laughs> 
piss pooping. <laughs> so now we know that Kent has seen the robot. Yes, because Hogarth had accidentally taken a picture with that giant yes. behind him. Yep. But so then Hogarth finally goes home. Because Hogarth is never home and his mom's just like, meh. That's the 50s. That's true. I mean, I guess we like ran around as kids. Yeah, when we grew up in the 50s. No, I mean, even just in the 90s. Yeah. So, you know. You yeah, it was even worse then. Right. That's why every Stephen King novel is set in this time period. Because yeah. kids are never home. That's true. They're just out digging around. They're always in the Pine Barrens. Yes. So let me see. Did you see the scene with the robot's dream? No, I did read about it. But it wasn't in the version I watched. Okay. So we get, in the in the signature edition, there's a dream sequence. There's always a dream sequence. There's always a dream. And it is terrifying. The robot is in Dean's scrap yard. And he's laying down. He's asleep. And we see, like, inside of Dean's house, he's, like, watching TV. And then as the giant starts to dream, it, like, starts fucking with Dean's TV. So the giant is dreaming of, like, like where he came from. And we see a lot of other giants just like him that are all, like, lined up and marching. And the place where he is is, like, super destructive everywhere and like dead well not even necessarily death it just looks like dead yeah like there are people and stuff but just like all the buildings and shit are like all so destroyed. the matrix yeah yeah very much that feel of it yeah. it's like dark and like kind of scorched looking and mm-hmm. but you, you get the sense that he's like was just created for destruction they've got like guns and stuff yeah on and he's them, part and of a larger army yeah and yeah. he's hearing these things from that he's like overheard like dean or he remembers like hogarth saying you know that like you're not a gun. Guns kill. Stuff. Guns kill, yeah. Anyway, it's uh scary. Yeah, classic. Classic children's movie, Scary Dreams. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it just raises a bunch of questions for me. Like, are they... Is he from space? Where did he come from? Yeah, I think that is supposed to be the implication, is that he is... He's just from space, another yeah. planet, not mm-hmm. not of this Earth. Right. And he just accidentally ended up here? Yes. Or Where? was sent here. Mm. As a scout? Or to destroy? He doesn't remember. He's got that dent in his head. That's why he's like, what? <laughs> so dumb. What am I doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it just kind of shows him he's starting to remember a little bit, like, where he came from and the slashes of that sort of thing. But it yeah. explains nothing and only raises more questions. So then we flash to Hogarth. He's getting home. He's like, yeah, well, yeah. Putting my bike in the barn. Then hanging out with my giant friend all day. What a great 1950s classic summer day I've had. With my giant robot friend in the junkyard with my weird adult friend. <laughs> yeah. Classic 50s summer day. And then Kent, his other weird adult friend that's obsessed <laughs> with him. It's a fucking creep. Ambushes him. him in the barn. Yeah, locks him in there. It's like, mom's working late again, Hogarth. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. What the fuck is your problem? You could have just sat him down, like, at the kitchen table if Annie's not home. Like, you didn't have to lock him in the fucking barn and interrogate him. Like, he's Relax, John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) What the fuck? God. So he shows him the pictures of him with the giant and is like, look, I know the giant is real and I know that you know where he is. Yeah. And if you don't tell me where he is, I'll make sure that you get taken away from your mom. Yep. Cool. So, of course, he has to give in and tell him. Yeah, of course. His mom's all he got. Yeah, he's like, he's at the junkyard, you know. Yep. And then Kent chloroforms him. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Bruh. You could have just been like, okay. Yeah. Let's go inside now. Yeah. Or do whatever you want. I'm leaving. Whatever. But, like, 
I guess he doesn't want him going off to. Well, jokes on him because cut to he's in bed Mm -hmm. and Kent is like sitting in another bed across the hall. They're just staring each other down. Yeah. Kent has called the government to say, like, I have proof he's actually here. Like, you know, come get him, send whoever. And the guy's like, all right. So Kent we'll says, be there in the, morning. the army will be here in the morning, and now I just have to make sure that you don't go anywhere. He, like, nails his window shut very mm-hmm. poorly. Yeah. Well, it's a slapdash job. He's not a carpenter. He's a G-man. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> so they're just staring at each other from across the hallway, and then... And then they fall asleep. Hogarth puts on his helmet. Yeah. And then finally gives up, falls asleep. Kent's like, hey, yeah, one... Yeah, and then Kent wakes up. Well, Kent wakes up, realizes that he fell asleep, but then he looks across the hall and sees that the helmet is still in bed, so he's like, oh, good, he didn't actually run off while I was asleep. But then Hogarth walks by him in the hallway and is like, morning, Kent. (laughs) Yep. Because Kent was, I guess, never a child and never snuck out. Oh, no, he's a G-man. Yeah. (laughs) He's always followed the rules. Oh, yeah. He's been a narc his whole life. It's true. Yeah, so he realizes that Hogarth had just... Put some pillows in the bed with the helmet and made it look like he was still there. Mm-hmm. And then Annie comes in and is like, hey, the army is in the front yard. Do you know anything about this? Hi. Yeah. Is that, uh, you're doing? Yeah. Friends of yours? He's like, hell yeah. My friends are here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we cut to the army heading to the junkyard. Dean just standing there nonchalantly drinking coffee. And he's like, oh, Oh, the giant... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. Like, I really wanted it. But you guys can have it. Yeah, if you Look guys want to offer me some money for it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. The way that he's, like, stalling and just, like, chit-chatting while he's looking for the keys. He's like, hey, he said he had to have it for his lobby. And I was like, I mean, man, you're going to have him for forever. But, like, I just made the guy. And I just am so attached to him. Like, give me a little... T- it's, like, so Give me cute. time to cut the umbilical cord, Yeah. <laughs> well, bro, just calm down a little bit. It's adorable. And they're all just, like, behind him, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let I'm gonna the... fucking kill you. The Iron Giant, my dude. Um, And so he opens the door and lets them all in. And there is the Iron Giant sitting there, but he's covered in other just, like, weird pieces of artwork to yep. make him look like a big piece of artwork. Yes. So, you know, obviously the army is upset. General Rogard is yelling at Kent. Mm-hmm. You just blew millions of Uncle Sam's dollars out your butt. <laughs> God. <laughs> Yes. Little does he know how much he has blown out of his butt <laughs> in Since the last 24 hours. <laughs> arrival in Rockwell. <laughs> More butt jokes. So he, he's like, all right, go back to DC, clean out your desk. You're fired. You're fired. Because Kent looks stupid. Kent does not protest at all. I mean, I know Being that he fired? sees, well, that, yeah. that this giant is real. Because, I mean, I know they're all looking at it, and he's like, oh, it was just a dumb sculpture, but he has so many eyewitness accounts of cars with bites taken out of them. Yeah. He has his own car he's is seen gone. it. Yeah. He saw his, and not just like, oh, my car was just gone, it was stolen. He saw it bitten in half. Right. And the train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy said, oh, a giant metal man bonked into it. He, he does not even go... No, 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 no. Like, can't poke it. Make it move or something. He doesn't even try. He just goes, right. whip. I look like an idiot. And then he's fired. Well, like, I wonder that's if it. he believes, too. Because, like, I mean, even the photo could have just been 
that thing in the background you know right. like, well, it's I mean, not I think that's moving what he in the thinks. photo he's, yeah. he's like oh this photo that i saw i mean i know i saw the photo but it was just clearly like hogarth at his friend's house being like look at this thing my friend made or whatever his friend yeah his, friend. his adult friend dean yeah yeah his adult friend and drug dealer dean but it's it's more the eyewitness accounts that is he's got other people in town who have yeah seen the destruction that this thing has caused and that clearly was not caused by an art sculpture and there's just no explanation for that they just move yeah on. well but his boss had told him like eyewitness accounts don't really count for anything he was like i need like a footprint right or yeah a photo it's just the fact that he doesn't even try i think yeah is he's just like i that's because he's such a fucking he doesn't even it's not even that he doesn't try to argue it's that he doesn't even seem to argue with himself he just looks yeah. at it and the look on his face is oh god i've been had sort of you know like right. oh it was just art the whole time but yeah. like what about your car getting bitten in half you know i mean and maybe he thinks about it later but <laughs> we have a different problem yeah <laughs> but it's not this man so anyway yeah so the army leaves now they've gone back to playing mm-hmm. and um Hogarth is like, you be a Tomo, and I'll, like, shoot at you. And the giant's like, he picks up this thing that has an S on it and puts it on his chest. He's like, I'm not a Tomo, I'm Superman. Uh, I'm Superman. I'm the good guy. Yeah. But he sees the gun that Hogarth, like, the toy gun that he's playing with, and goes into kill mode. Right. And shoots some lasers out of his eyeballs. Yes. And Dean sees this, and, like, you know, grabs Hogarth, and they, like, get undercover or whatever, and, and Dean's like, he's a big weapon, like, he's a gun that walks. Yeah. And the giant hears him and is like, I not gun. Yeah. Hey. Hey. So he hey. runs off and he's sad. Yeah. I uh, I gotta give, again, props to Dean. He's kind of an idiot, but like, in this moment, he immediately puts together, oh, it was the gun that he was reacting to. He was reacting defensively. Right. So he immediately is like, hey, we fucked up. We gotta go fix it. Yeah, you know? we gotta go get him. There's so much so many instances of like adults in children's media not listening to children right and just being like no 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 i know what's right and he does this a little bit where yeah. he doesn't but he immediately is like you know hey i fucked up let's fix it yeah which i like yeah yeah i agree so they chase after him on his moped mm-hmm. <laughs> was a very cool bike yeah he's a cool guy so as the giant is wandering off he hears some kids cry out for help Yes. It's like two of the shitty kids from Hogarth's class that are on top of a building with binoculars and they, one of them sees the giant in the distance uh-huh. and like gets scared. What happens? Well, they, they're leaning on this fence to like, they're, they're like on the roof of this building yeah. and they're looking at it through their binoculars and they're just leaning to get a closer look oh, and the and railing fall. snaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're like hanging by the strap on the binoculars from a fucking flagpole. Mm-hmm. Um, and start yelling and everybody looks up and they're like, oh no, we can't really do anything. I forgot my trampoline today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the giant is like, I can help. Yeah. I'm Superman. Right. So he runs into the town to help yeah. them and saves them. Yes. And sets them down. Yes. Everyone sees the giant, but they're all like, oh, he's friendly. Like, yeah, he's... he saved. He straight up says, I am not a gun, which I said, oh, his grammar's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. He's been reading his... Listening to his little hooked on phonics tapes. Oh. Yeah. Getting better. And then he gets shot. <laughs> yes. So as he is like in the town, Kent turns around with the army convoy driving away and see you can see the giant in the town. And he's like, 
he's stomping the town look turn around there he is right so they all turn around and they see that he is in the town so they speed back and just immediately start shooting him yeah just hit him with a missile because because it's the u.s army yeah and everyone is like stop shooting him yeah like he just saved some children yeah he's good he's nice Mm-hmm. And the army is just fucking ruining the town yeah. while they're doing this. Yeah. Like, let's, we'll save you by destroying everything. Mm-hmm. This is the part where I made a note that says, why is Dean so gray? <laughs> yeah, he does not look well. Because when you see him, like, by himself on the screen or whatever, you don't really notice. But in this scene where he's surrounded by the rest of the townspeople, I was like, this man is gray. Yeah. Everyone else is like flushed cheeks and like has seen the sun. Yeah. Not maybe that's it. He's just he's up at night doing cocaine. Sorry, drinking espresso. Right. Making scrap metal art. He doesn't know what the sun looks like. I mean, I guess. Maybe. He's got sunglasses on all the time. Maybe he's a vampire. Now nah, he goes out in the daytime. So Dean, Gray Dean. <laughs> yes. Grabs Kent and is like, You have to stop shooting at him. They have Hogarth or he has Hogarth and you know, he's in defensive mode. If you don't shoot him, he won't shoot you. Right. So Ken's like, cool, I'll go tell the general. Right. It goes to the general, and he's like, the giant killed Hogarth! We have to kill the giant! I don't really understand why Kent is being such a dick in this moment. Yeah. Like, it's, this is beyond... I think it, part of it is, like, from that scene at the soda fountain, yeah. where he's like, you don't know like you presume that the world is good but i know all of these terrible things and so he thinks that like common people want to assume the best out of something but he assumes the worst of everything yeah you know like he thinks a citizen is too soft and he knows that everything in the world is out to get us it's very cold war cold war era yeah red scare but i mean this moment yeah i mean i get he's yeah entrenched in xenophobia like i mean he's just like i don't trust any other government you know whatever i don't trust all those countries but like I don't know what this is, and it is here to hurt us. Sure, except, like, all of that, sure, I get that, I understand. Yeah. But Dean straight up says, don't shoot him, he's holding Hogarth. And Kent turns around and says, the giant has killed the boy, we need to bring it. He's he's putting Hogarth's life in danger. Well, I think to him, it's like, I don't care if I kill this child, it will save everyone else. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think that's his logic. It's obviously wrong. Right. I guess. He's like, gotta sacrifice this shitty kid named <laughs> Zeppo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So the giant is running out of town, holding yeah. Hogarth, and he falls off of a ledge. Yep. But then realizes that he can fly. Yeah. So he's just flying through the sky, having a great time. Yeah. He almost shoots down some planes. But then he doesn't. Yeah, he puts his arm up in front of his laser eyes because he's like, I don't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. You know? Um, but then the jet is like, well, fuck you. We don't know. Yeah, shoots him down. Mm -hmm. And he does his best to, like, hold Hogarth as he's falling so that he won't get hurt. Right. I'm pretty sure Hogarth would have been obliterated in this moment. Just crushed to death. Yes. No matter where he put him. Yeah. That's the same thing, not to backtrack, but, like, when he catches the kids before they fall. Like, they still still fell really far still. Yeah. Just because you stop them right before they hit the ground. Yeah. That's still far away to fall. Yeah, he's not soft. No. Anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, he gets shot down. He's trying to hold on to Hogarth to protect him. 
that Hogarth is knocked out. Yes. And he thinks that Hogarth is dead. Right. So he's like, well, fuck it. Yeah. So he turns around. Mm-hmm. Um, and the army opens fire on him. Right. Because they think that Hogarth is dead. That's what they've heard. They think right. that this robot is a killer. And in the scuffle of this, the dent that has been in his head the whole time, like, works its way out. Yeah. Like, pops out. What? And then he becomes, like, ultimate weapon. Yeah. It's like, I guess the dent, it implies that that is somehow stopping him from being evil weapon. Right. Like, he has amnesia. Yeah. It's the opposite of every serial killer, where normally you get the full, you get the the frontal frontal lobe lobe injury injury and then start murdering. This is the, right. his head's fine now. It's kill time. Back to kill time. Yes. So the army retreats. Yeah, because he starts unfolding all of his weaponry, and yeah. we are finally starting to see what he was built for, and it is fucking shit up. Oh, yeah. And it's terrifying. Just on a massive scale, yeah. yeah and the army's like, well, fuck, we can't do anything about this. Goddamn. I, just, I have a question at this yeah. point. If this is what he was built for, which clearly it is, because he's full of weapons. Yeah, just to destroy why did he have the capacity to have a personality at all? Oh, it was like in that one corner of his brain. That was just it. It was just being pushed on. It was like, this makes you curious and want to pet deer and like... And want to pet deer. Yeah, oh. like just this tiny dent in yeah. your brain just turns you into a completely different creature that befriends young boys and... Or it just gives him the choice, I guess. Maybe. Like but it just messed up his programming. Why is have... it an option? That dent in his head. Well, because I think the implication is that he is programmed this way, but he does have a soul. Mm. And so with the dent in his head, he's forgotten his programming. So he has enough of whatever kind of soul a giant robot has. Yeah. To be able to make decisions about what type of giant robot he wants to be. I guess so. So now they're freaking out and they're like, well, we got to fucking kill this thing. Well, Dean and Annie pick up Hogarth. Yes. They they see him there on the ground and they run over and pick him up. Yeah. Um, and he's fine. Not to harp on Dean again, mm-hmm. but he is surrounded by it, this whole town being destroyed between the army and the Iron Giant and all these emergencies. Yeah. People are dying. Hogarth's almost dead. Yeah. He looks asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the daytime. Okay? These are his sleepy time hours. He's doing his best. His face is never, like... There's never emergency mode on his face. He just has sleepy eyes all the, the Botox, time. Okay? It's the Botox, okay? He's got a lot going on. It's the cocaine. His face is numbed by the oh excessive cocaine use. I just am like, can he look surprised or upset or like his pulse is higher than? Yeah, you got some good eyebrows, man. Baseline. Put them to use. He does have good eyebrows. So Kent is like, look, our only option is we have to shoot it with the big bomb. Yes. The Nautilus, I think it's called. Well, I think, yeah, there's a submarine off the coast. Yeah, so Ken's like, we have to call, we have to get them to shoot it with the big bomb, it's our only option. And the general is like, no, we can't do that. We're all here together, we'll all die. People We're here. not gonna do that. Yeah. Um, And they're having this conversation while the giant is still fighting, you know, the army, killing everyone. Hogarth, like, wakes up and immediately is like, I have to go stop this from happening classic scene of like yes yeah, a small child being like i will stop him through the power of love a speech <laughs> right just like yeah. fucking we're back louie and we're back yeah. yeah um so you know he runs up to him 
and is like, you don't have to be a gun. You are what you choose to be. Yeah. So the giant's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Right. Powers down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and together they walk back to the army to show them that the giant isn't, like, aggressive. He's only defensive. I think it's too late for that. Like, they're not going to listen. No, the army did listen. Yeah. They all were just like, oh, oh, okay. Like, even the general was like, oh, yeah, stop shooting. Right. And they're like, you know, listening to him. And Ken's like, we have to shoot the missile. Right now. Right now. We have to do it anyway. Yeah, because the general's like, that kid is still alive. And Ken's like, it's a trick. Because Ken has just full on snapped at this point. Right. He's like, I'm going to kill this robot no matter what. Yeah. And the general gets on, gets on the horn (laughs) to the submarine and is like, stand down yeah we're not gonna shoot him and then kent yeah. grabs it and is like fire now yeah and they're like okay um the missile is targeted at the giant who is standing in the middle of the city surrounded by people yep they gonna die yes and kent realizes it yes Very- actually i don't think he realizes it until the general is like hey bro yeah that's what i mean like the general's like yeah he, the missile is coming here yeah to us yeah we're all gonna die because of you and Ken's like, fuck that. <laughs> he tries I want to live. Away. Yeah. Cheryl's like, no, no, you, you're going to stand here with us and be in. The giant like puts his the hand down and stops <laughs> yeah. him from driving away. Yeah. So Hogarth explains to the giant, he's like, this missile is coming. It's aimed at you. Yep. Everybody's going to die. Yep. But that's okay. That's fine. Basically. You know, he's yeah. like, this is just going to happen. That's life. <laughs> that's life in America in the 1950s. Right. We, we were, were all, all prepared. knew it was coming. And they, I guess... I wish I had a desk. They keep referencing, like, a bomb shelter. Yeah. Um, but everybody's like, it wouldn't do any good. Because it... I guess if a bomb lands right on it. Yeah. It's not going to help anyway. Yeah. And I mean, I think just like that video that he was watching where it's like, just cover your head and get under your desk. Like, all of those things that they told themselves like that were just to make themselves feel better. Right. And just... realistically, everybody knew, like, no, we're going to... Yeah, to give them, like, a sense of preparation. Yes. But they all know. Yeah. Yeah, so the giant, like, looks up, processes all this information, Mm -hmm. looking at the missile, and he's like, no, I'll fix it. Yep. He says, you stay. I go. I go. No following. Yes, which is what Hogarth Hogarth had had said to him in the forest so long ago. Like, two days ago. Yes. Hogarth says, I love you. And then the giant flies into the sky. Yep. That part, I was like... All right. Unnecessary. Yeah. Really heavy-handed. Yeah. Yeah, he flies into the sky towards the missile. You see him go up there. The missile is, like, in space. Yeah. It was getting a running start, that missile. Really wanted to just take Rockwell off the map. Yeah. Um, And the giant whispers, Super. Yeah. As he throws himself into the Closes missile. Closes his eyes and kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They all watch this from down on the ground. And fucking General Rogard is just like, well, let's go home. Yeah, like, <laughs> Cool. The- tight. Crisis averted. You live to fight another day. The bomb day. still went off. Yeah, it's fine. You have to ah. do- fill out paperwork. Yeah, but he can do that from his desk. There's got there's going to be fallout. Yeah. It's over the ocean. The- in space. Uh, wind. <laughs> Nuclear fallout is a thing. Eh, it's not that kind of bomb. <sighs> All right, so we yeah move forward in time a bit. Yes, there's a statue of the giant in the town square now. Yes, it's that we're sweet. assuming that Dean made. 
doesn't say that he did, but... It doesn't have his name on it, but Annie walks up to him and says, like... Right, yeah, This yeah, is yeah, your right. best work yet. Honey. Ooh. Because <gasps> they're together, because Brad Bird didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> From the aforementioned romance. Oh, right. Trial, yes. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the look on my face, I tell you, audience. Anyway. Yeah, so there's a lot of, like, wrapping up in this scene. We get the implication of a relationship between Annie and Dean. You yes. see Hogarth, like, playing with some kids because he has friends now. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. He gets home. Or some... Is it at home? He gets a package from yeah. the general. Yeah. And it's like, this was all that was recovered. Even though he was shot in space, mm-hmm. they found one screw. Yeah, it's the only piece we found. It's his jaw bone screw screw yeah so he like is like oh tight cool and he goes to bed and then when he wakes up the screw is like making its way out the window making its way downtown (laughs) (laughs) making my way downtown rolling fast faces pass and i'm robot bound (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah obviously the Mm -hmm. screw is on its way yeah hogarth knows this he says i'll see you later yeah. Because he knows eventually. The giant will eventually come back. be put all back together. Yep. And we follow it for a little bit until we see that he is in Iceland. Yep. That's where, I guess, the majority, I guess that's where his head landed. And all the other parts right. are making their way to him. I guess geographically that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's not Maine that far. And I don't think. They were up really high. Yeah. Four. And the wind. <laughs> <laughs> A wind! <laughs> Have you ever seen wind? <laughs> anyway, the end. The end. Alright. Alright. Why? Didn't. Why didn't he just shoot the missile out of the sky? Why did he have to go fly into it? He could have just targeted it. That's a good question. And shot it from yeah. the ground. Yeah. Or. Or grabbed it. Grabbed it and thrown it into space. Yeah. Or a number of things he could have done. He didn't have to sacrifice himself no this guy is um maybe because he knew that he would be fine that I don't he know. knew that he could rebuild himself because yeah, he'd done he it know? before did he know i mean that was a big bomb it was a big bomb i don't know he just he I had just to be like he, superman he could have just there were a lot of other options yeah besides that <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean I have a billion questions. I mean, we've talked about most of them, but it's like, where yeah. did he come from and why did he end up on Earth? And is anybody looking for him? Well, yeah, and we'll get to it a little bit, but that was a a choice that they made to not go into his backstory. I know, but they do a little bit in the dream sequence. I guess they take it out they because it out. they didn't yeah. want to go into his backstory, but... Is anybody looking for him, I guess, is the the biggest question. Doubt it. There are so many of them. Was he sent to Earth on purpose to destroy? Was he sent to Earth to defend the Earth from something else? We'll never know. Who built him? Where are all the other ones? Do they all sound like Vin Diesel? Yes. Okay. Unless it's the Iron Lady giant. Will Vin Diesel marry me? Mrs. Giant. Mrs. Giant. Is the Iron Giant married? (laughs) (laughs) And so you don't ring on his finger. (laughs) But maybe he ate it. It rolled off. (laughs) It's in... It's making its way back. In (laughs) Norway. Right. Um, Yeah, so... 
normal questions. Yeah. Did it make you cry? No. I know. It's just... <sighs> there was a little bit at the end where I was like, uh-oh, it's about to be sad. And then the sad parts happened and I went, well. Yeah. The thing... He's fine. The deer getting shot made me sad. Yeah. But I think that would have just made me sad in any it's movie. It's just an animal being shot, yeah. which is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was just sad. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, he... It was he, just so... fine. So heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And like trying to manipulate you into having an emotional response that yeah. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Tell me when to cry. Yeah, I'll I decide. I was watching a show earlier in the day where it was a cooking show mm-hmm. and they made a taco and it looked so good and the person eating it was so happy about how good it was that I teared up. Okay? <laughs> so it doesn't take much. Yeah, I'm a giant. I definitely wasn't because I was like, hmm, perhaps I'm just not in it. Yeah, sometimes you're in anything will make you cry and other times you're like i'm feeling a little tougher today but i was like am i broken and then i thought about homeward bound and i almost started crying so like (laughs) i definitely was not broken i just i love that that's your like try and like see if you still have feelings "Hmm, remember that scene in homeward bound (laughs) okay yeah no i'm fine i'm johnny cash is playing in the background like i hurt myself today (laughs) and you're just imagining shadow trying to climb (laughs) out of the mud pit Just to see if I still feel. (laughs) Don't give up, Shadow. (laughs) Yeah, that that visual image has hurt my feelings more than anything that happened in the Iron Giant. (laughs) Agree. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of you out there who... I mean, I do feel like I remember watching it, and I remember it making me sad. See, that's the other thing, is I'm watching this whole movie going, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. Yeah, so maybe you didn't. I don't think I... I mean, I feel like I must have... I have a memory of my brother and I watching it, mm. but no memory of anything that happened in it. Yeah. So maybe we just talked about watching it. Yeah. And didn't actually yeah, do it. maybe. But... I didn't. I got no, no emotions. Mm-mm. Nope. So, um, yeah. Replay or rewind? I mean, I didn't hate it. I I like Dean a lot. I think he's an adorable character. Yeah, he's fine. Maybe I would just maybe I just have a crush on him, and that's the problem. Because I'm like, he's silly, but he's also nice. You know, he's just like nice to this kid, and he's fun and artsy, artsy, asleep, asleep. <laughs> My favorite characteristics <laughs> in a man. Um, hey, if you're single, artsy, and asleep, <laughs> send me what an email at replayrewindpodcast at gmail.com. You ever had a squirrel in your pants? Even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would watch it again. I, for me, I think it's a rewind. Yeah. I just don't need to watch it again. Yes. I can't think of a context. Like, if someone... This isn't one that I would be like, oh, hey, friend. Let's watch this. No. It, we'll, we'll enjoy it together. You know, yeah. like, I just can't think of a time. No. I can't think of why I would have an urge to watch it. Same. Or of a person that I would be like, hey, let's watch this. I can think of a million other things I would rather watch. Yes. If someone said, I've been, th- if I was hanging out with someone and they said, I've been thinking about watching The Iron Giant recently. I loved that movie as a kid. Do you want to watch it? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Because there are some movies that but we've covered. But I would covered... be, like, doing something else. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, let's watch it. I'm going to 
play the Switch. There are movies that we've covered <laughs> that I'd be like, no, I don't want to watch that movie again. Yeah. Iron John, I'd be like, if you want, man. I wouldn't yeah. drag my heels. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's silly and there's like parts about it that I enjoyed. It's a perfectly fine yeah, movie. It's fine. It is. Am I going to pull it off of my shelf and be like, oh, man, I haven't. No. Yeah. So for me personally by myself, yeah, probably a rewind. Yeah. But like, just but you're not, not mad at it i'm not mad i don't yeah. hate it it's yeah. not the word i'm just like i just don't care if yeah. i ever see it again Same. It's, it's just right smack dab in the middle where i just kind of have no emotions about it yeah i was gonna combine replay and rewind but um doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't work play play wind <laughs> no no well contrary to our opinions yeah 96 percent on rotten tomatoes people love this movie yeah. well they do now they do now they, and, and they critically, didn't... it was a hit. Yeah, and they didn't dislike it when it came out. No, but it didn't make any money. Because Warner Brothers did no marketing. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they had just done um, Quest for Camelot. Okay. Was their last big release before this, mm-hmm. and it was a flop. Mm. So, okay, here's what happened. What had happened was, Quest for Camelot didn't do well. Uh-huh. So... They made the Iron Giant because they wanted to make it, but they were kind of just going to save it okay, for, like, a slower time, you know, when they didn't have anything else coming out, you know. Yeah, could... but just to kind of keep interest of, like, hey, we're still here, we're still making movies, right. we're working on other projects. They don't have anything else. Check yeah, this one out. Anything else big, they're like, oh, we got this on the shelf. Sure. We'll do this. But they showed it to test audiences, and it did so well. Interesting. And they were all surprised, and they were like, oh, we have to put this out right now. Yeah. Like, people love this. Right. We should do this. And they kind of just, like, fucked up their own timeline. Huh. Because they had done no They didn't pre- have- They had there was one no... poster. Oh, God. They didn't do any, like, early, like, early release of toys but why? Or... I mean, even if you just see this and you go, okay, people loved it, let's put it out as soon as possible, why would you not then start the process of advertising this movie in I that guess moment? the timing with their other stuff they had coming out, it was, like, now or far from now. Huh. I read some things, and I didn't write down the details, of how long it takes to roll out new toys to get... Sure. There was this whole controversy with, like... They thought that they had gotten Burger King on board with releasing a toy, but it turns out that the timeline was wrong. You know, like... Okay. So really, they, like, rushed its release, so it didn't make any money when it Hmm. first came out. Yeah. So, uh, did you look up the budget for it? Yeah, it's 50 million. It's... Yeah, there's a lot of, like, conflicting reports on the budget, too. Okay. Because it was 50 million to, like make and release and everything and it only made 31 million at the right. box office but because it got such critical acclaim and such did so well at test audiences and blah 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 they spent another 30 million on rolling it out for home release oh and then it did really well okay and that's why it's like a cult classic Still considered yeah, yeah and, and people love it and it has good you know overall reviews and stuff interesting they spent the budget that they would have spent at the beginning yeah like in the middle right <laughs> instead yeah no that i mean the timing for this movie's release was just whack in a lot of ways because also happening at the same time was two of warner brothers executives had just quit oh shit and so warner brothers as a studio was like oh fuck what do we do they're all running around like crazy and then they're like put the movie out i don't know (laughs) like (laughs) so i guess they were just like we don't know what the fuck is happening oh yeah that makes sense because i did read 
you know, some whispers mm-hmm. within things of how much freedom they had when they were making this movie, too. And it's yeah. probably because there wasn't anybody <laughs> at the helm. Yeah, these guys were like, well, bye. Yep. So, that's interesting. Yeah, because it made almost $6 million in the first weekend. Yeah. And then it was like, eh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they almost delayed the film by several months. They said, we should delay it and properly lead up to its release. And I said, you guys have had two and a half years to get ready for this says the director yeah but i mean don't you want your movie to do well wouldn't you want them to take all the steps to make sure everybody like you would think i mean sure they fuck you could be mad about it you'd yeah. be like you guys had two and a half years but yes please take your time and well, get this movie and i out. think also if they had had somebody in charge at warner brothers yeah they probably would have done that yeah they probably would have been like yeah that's fine that you feel that way but i'm in charge right <laughs> it's my studio and yeah. i'm the one who's gonna make money or not so yeah. uh I say we put some trailers out and a poster. Right. More than one poster. Yeah. Uh, Ebert really liked it. A lot of people. I have a lot of um, reviews here if you want to hear them. Because I I pulled out my favorite ones. Yeah. I'll read Ebert's. Okay. He said 3.5 stars. Uh Uh-huh. Like the new Japanese animated films, The Iron Giant is happy to be a real movie in everything but live action. There are no cute little animals and not a single musical number. It's a story, plain and simple. And it resembles the clear line technique of Japan's Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. Which, it gets compared to Miyazaki films a lot in a lot of reviews, which I love. Because I love, like, every Studio Ghibli movie, so. Yep. Yeah, he's the other, the part that I have of Ebert's review, he says, It's not just a cute romp, but an involving story that has something to say. Sure does. Yeah, man. Bruce Fretz from Entertainment Weekly said, I have long thought that I was born without the gene that would allow me to be emotionally drawn in by drawings. That is, until I saw the Iron Giant. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, the poor guy watching cartoons, like, <laughs> feel nothing. everybody around him enjoying them and just being like, <laughs> the cartoons, they do nothing wrong with me. I know. Um, Kenneth Turan from the Los Angeles Times called it straight arrow and subversive and made with a simplicity as well as a sophistication. And he said, it feels like a classic, even though it's just out of the box. So this guy from the Washington Post, Stephen Hunter, is the only review that I saw on Wikipedia that had anything bad to say about mm. it. He gave the film four out of five stars, but he said, the movie, as beautifully drawn, as sleek and engaging as it is, has the annoyance of incredible smugness. Yes. Oh, she is correct about that. Oh, yeah. That's a good word for it. That's a- Back it up. Well, that was a fucking smug movie. Yeah. <laughs> Every character except the giant is actually smug. <laughs> Pretty full of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, like you said, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. IGN ranked it as the fifth favorite animated film of all time in a list that they published in 2010. That's fine. It's just, you know, people are I know. Really I mean, it. and like I said, I don't hate it. Right. I just, this is a weird thing to say. Yeah. But it's like almost like, it's like too good. It's too predictable. It's too... Well done. And there aren't any moments that are clever, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but it's just like, yeah, it's too obvious. Yeah. It's too obvious what's going to happen next. Yeah. 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 It has some, like, cute scenes. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I've got, um, kind of to tie in what you were saying about its release, it Mm -hmm. says that uh, a lot of analysts had deemed it a victim of poor timing and a severe miscalculation of how to attract an audience Hmm. that sounds like they just didn't they didn't try yeah so that's a 
yeah, that's not how you do it. No. But the president of Warner Bros. at the time, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, oh. said, People always say to me, why don't you make smarter family movies? The lesson is, every time you do, you get slaughtered. No. No. That's not what happened here. <laughs> we have definitely covered movies that were, like, smart and clever and didn't, you know, yeah. talk down to children. This movie is smug. Stephen Hunter's correct. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of interesting things as far as like the people who were in it. You know, it's they're pretty like big name. Jennifer Aniston, like you said, was, plays Annie. Harry Connick Jr. plays Dean. Yeah. Um. What's his name that plays uh Kent? Christopher McDonald. Yeah. Which I was like, I don't know who that is, and I looked him up and I went, Oh. Yeah. The guy from Happy Gilmore. There's yeah. There's a tiny note on his uh Wikipedia that he went to Hobart College, and I was like, <laughs> he calls that kid Hobart. Oh. <laughs> and he went to Hobart. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, Vin Diesel as the giant. Right. He says 57 words or something. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot. He's in the studio for 12 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy who voiced the general is John Mahoney, who plays Marty Crane on Frasier. He's their dad. Ah. And then the guy <laughs> the guy who plays Earl, the fisherman, his name is M. Emmett Walsh. Yes. And the only reason I include him as all is you guys all have to go look at him. He looks exactly like the dude in the movie. Oh, that's so <laughs> like, cute. I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's him for sure. I so love they were that. like, hey, you want to voice? We'll make him look just like you. Yeah. So that was pretty cute. Um, What I think is most interesting about this movie is the backstory on it, where the actual story came from. Yes, do tell. So it was written as a novel in 1968 by poet Ted Hughes. Mm hmm. It's called The Iron Man, A Children's Story in Five Nights. Yes. And he wrote it for his children to help comfort the fact that their mother, Sylvia Plath, yeah. had just committed suicide. Right? Isn't that wild? She was like, oh shit! Yeah. It's pretty much the same story. There's a metal man that falls to earth in England and he's going around eating all the farm equipment and then they try to trap him and he... They do actually successfully trap him, but yeah. then he makes this connection with this little boy... And he's like, oh, his name nice. is Hogarth. Yes. Yeah, they kept his Hogarth name. is... Yeah. Yes, was there from the beginning. Um, and Hogarth is like, no, he's good, and we should be friends with him. And so he does befriend him, and then a dragon comes from outer space Yeah. to attack the Earth. Like they do. And <laughs> Hogarth it. says, will you help? And he says, hell yeah. <laughs> and he defeats the dragon, and everything's fine. Will you help? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1989, Pete Townsend developed it into a rock opera Yep, called The Iron Man by Pete Townsend. And he performs on it with a bunch of people, including Nina Simone and John Lee Hooker and the surviving members of The Who, like Roger Daltrey's on it. And Who? The other guy. And Twistle. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after that, in 1991, Richard Basley, who would then go on to be the, the lead animator on the movie, yep. was like, Hey, my friend and boss, Don Bluth, do you want to make a movie about this giant robot? I drew up all these characters and this storyboard, and Don Bluth said, no, I'm too busy working on dumb shit. <laughs> yes, I'm very busy with these things that are not for children. <laughs> this looks like it's for children. I mean, I'm sure whatever Don Bluth would have done with it would have been super intense and not for children anyway. But The Iron Giant would have been drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, would have had a drinking problem. No, thank you. So then they turned it into a stage musical that ran for a couple months from 93 to like 94. It, this is just funny because it's like, this is obviously, it's just so obviously a children, like it was a children's book, basically. Yeah. Make it, it into a children's, for children's movie. Yeah. 
And they're like, let's try everything mm. else first. Well, I mean, Pete Townsend was like, that's dope as fuck. I'm going to make a whole fucking metal album about it, a rock album about it. There's yeah. a dragon from the sky and it comes down and then he has to defeat. Because in Pete Townsend's version of it, the giant defeats the dragon, but it doesn't die. The mm. dragon's just like, oh, clearly you are, you have bested me. Yeah. I didn't really want to kill anybody anyway. What my job is to write celestial music. And they're like, well, why don't you go back to doing that? And the dragon's like, okay. And then does. Pulls a harp out of his ass. Yeah, just goes back into space <laughs> and starts writing tunes again. And they're all just like, great. So whatever. Okay. Yeah. Des McEnough, who worked on Tommy, turned that into a stage musical with oh, Pete Townsend, mm-hmm. also worked on this. So yeah, it was pretty successful. Yeah. And following the success of the stage musical, Warner Brother acquired the rights to make a movie in 1996. And they got started working on it. And then partway through the project, they were like, hey, Brad, this seems like your thing. Yeah. You should work on this. Yeah. He was working at Turner Animation at the time, but they had just merged with Time Warner, who owned Warner Brothers, obviously. Yep. And so they were like, we're all, we're all family here. Just come over here and work on it. So yeah. he just moved over to Time, or moved over to Warner Brothers and started working on it. He read the book. He said, I love it. I want to make a few changes, though. And they were like, man, knock yourself out. There's fucking no rules here because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, nobody's in charge. Slapdash and our dad just quit. <laughs> Two of them, actually. <laughs> our dad just quit. So he, Brad is the one who adds, finally adds the characters of Dean and Kent into the story. Right. They had not previously been yes. in the story. And he also said, I'm so going to move it to America. Took out the dragon. Taking out the dragon, and I'm taking out all the music. Sorry, Pete Townsend. Yeah. And Pete Townsend said, I don't care, I already got paid. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Who did not care either way, reportedly remarking, well, whatever, I got paid. I got paid. Yeah. Fuck it. He did stay on as the executive producer, mm-hmm. so he was like, yeah, sure. Just, I mean, he was stoked on the movie. G- give me money. Yeah, he liked it. And uh, so did Frida Hughes. Ted Hughes' daughter watched yeah. it because Ted Hughes died before the movie came out but she watched it and, which I mean it was written for her so I feel like if anybody's going to get to say yeah, whether or not it was good yeah. she liked it yeah and then the last thing that I have which you might have in yours as well was this quote about that Brad Bird why he said he moved it to America in the first place hmm. he says the Maine setting as in the state of Maine looks Norman Rockwell idyllic on the outside oh maybe that's why they called it Rockwell is yes. there a Rockwell Maine? yeah is it a real place or no? Oh, no. It's because of that. What is it with people being like, you know what? Fuck the towns that already exist in Maine. We're making up new ones. Well, that's so that the people who live there don't have to be like, um, that's not what this town looks like. Excuse me. <laughs> you just blew up my town. Anyway. The main setting looks Norman Rockwell idyllic on the outside, but inside everything is just about to boil over. Everyone was scared of the bomb, the Russians, Sputnik, even rock and roll. This clenched Ward Cleaver smile masking fear, which is really what the Kent character was all about. It was the perfect environment to drop a 50-foot-tall robot into. He was right. Just a sleepy little town, and he was like, you know what it needs. I thought that quote was just a little weird because he mentions, like, being scared of rock and roll and stuff, and that's not in this movie at all. That's That's true. not, like, a concept. In fact, he worked with Pete Townsend to make it, so it's like, not only was it like, we're afraid of rock and roll, but, like, we got this rock god to come work on it with us. Yeah. So, that's silly. You're right. So tell me more about Brad Bird. So, this was his directorial debut. Oh, hell yeah. His story is, like, it's very interesting, but it's also very, like, American 
it feels because okay. when he was 11, he went to Walt Disney Studios and he met Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, who are two of the nine old men. And while there, he announced that someday he would become a part of Disney's animation team. Oh. And so, like, right after that, he started to work on his own animated short. And um, he, like, sent it to Disney and they were impressed. That's so cute. And by age 14, barely in high school, he was mentored by Milt Call. The man. Yeah. One of Disney's. Yeah. Nine old men. And replay, rewind. <laughs> Hall of Fame. Legend. Yes. Friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> so then he was awarded a scholarship by Disney to attend the California Institute of the Arts. Wow. Yeah. Where he met and befriended John Lasseter. Jesus. Yeah. The, obviously, Pixar co-founder. Right. All right. So he started off his career, like, at Disney. Mm-hmm. Working on The Black Cauldron and Fox and the Hound. Oh, shit! While animating at Disney, he became a part of a small group of animators who worked in a suite of offices inside the original animation studio that they called The Rat's Nest. Uh, This name was given by animator Don Bluth. Oh, God. They all worked together. (laughs) But Bird would vocally criticize the upper management for not taking risks on animation and playing it safe. Who does that sound like? Fucking Don Bluth? Yes. During the middle of production of The Fox and the Hound, Bird was fired. Oh, shit. Because he couldn't keep his mouth shut about being... I just think that's so funny. Was he, like, 18 like, years old at the time? Probably. He, like, worked, like, from 11. He was like, I'm gonna work here. Yeah. And then he, like, gets in and he's like, fuck this. He's like, actually, you guys are all dicks. Yeah. Boring. Um. So, in 1989, he joined, and I cannot say this, but it's... The company that helped develop The Simpsons and The Rugrats, Klasky Cassette? Oh, Klasky Chupo. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he joined them, and he is actually the one who helped take... Because The Simpsons were just like one-minute shorts oh, okay. on the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah. And he's the one who helped develop them into a series of like half-hour programs. Interesting. And he served as executive consultant for the show for the first eight seasons. Um, he was one of the animators of The Rugrats pilot. Mm-hmm. And he also worked on King of the Hill before pitching Warner Brothers to write and direct The Iron Giant. Okay. There's a lot more stuff about him because he also did The Incredibles and Ratatouille, but I figure we'll save that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For when we get there. Sure. So he has spoken passionately about animation as an art form, which I feel like has come up a lot in like the way people reviewed it as being like, this is just a story. Yes. You know, like it isn't. A cartoon, like, we don't see it as a cartoon first. We see it as, like, a, a storytelling. Right. It's a story that has been animated right. rather than. Yeah. yeah he, this... he said he believes animation can be used to tell any kind of story, drama or comedy, for an adult audience or children. Yeah. In 2018, he doubled down on his views that just because a movie is animated does not mean that it's for kids. Because there were concerned parents on Twitter talking about The Incredibles 2 and being like, it's not really a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And he was like, with all due respect... It's not a kid's movie. It's animated and it's rated PG. Huh. <laughs> I haven't seen The Incredibles 2, but now I kind of want to watch it. I haven't either, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of not fair to be like, oh, it's PG, but it's not for children. It's like, well, that, that's what that rating is for. Right, but just because a movie is for adults doesn't mean you have to put, like, cursing and fucking No, in it, you that's know? true. Like, it, you can still Yeah, thematically, have, it's, Yeah, you like, can still have adult themes. Yeah. 
without being explicit. Yeah, without doing all that shit. Yeah, you're right. But it, just to, like, get shitty, with get short with people, be like... Well, he did say, <laughs> with all due respect. <laughs> Which is none. So, I don't respect you at all. I think it's fine. <laughs> no offense, but... Alright, so... And then I tried really hard to find more information out about this, but his sister, Susan, was murdered in yeah. a murder-suicide... By her husband in 1998. Oh, God. So in the middle of them, like, making this movie. And they were, like, really close. Yeah. Oh. This quote, he says, My sister Susan, who I love very much and was very close to, died of gun violence. Pointlessly, she was killed by her husband. I was devastated. When you shoot somebody, you're not just killing that person. You're killing a part of all the people that love that person. No. I know. And I tried so hard to, like, find anything out about this crime yeah i couldn't find anything i found like a couple of her obituaries but right i mean i guess that's you know he also died so you know who did it yeah it wasn't like much of an investigation i'm sure sure. but yeah because that happened it kind of influenced him to emphasize more of an anti-gun message throughout the movie yeah i do think that some of that was in there to begin with but all of the like right guns bad yes was definitely for this reason yeah i mean that makes sense (laughs) one small fun fact about bradbird yes his son nicholas was the voice of squirt in finding nemo (laughs) oh which is just really cute i love squirt so when um he began working on the iron giant he you know he was in in the middle of dealing with the death of his sister right um That kind of informed the basis of his pitch to Warner Brothers, which was based around the idea, what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's what the Iron Giant is. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, he learns what a gun is and probably knows on some level what he is capable of doing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess when he first shoots his lasers, he's a little bit like, oh, shit. You know, that came out of me. Like, he doesn't even realize. Yeah. But once he realizes what he is capable of doing, he's just like, no, that's not me. I don't want to do that. That's uh, heavy. Oh, and um, besides just adding in Dean and Kent and taking out the dragon, (laughs) in the original story, America and the USSR are actually at war. Oof. um, And the giant dies. Oh. He doesn't come back. Yeah. I don't think that it was Bird's idea for the giant to come back, somebody else. Oh, the other guy that worked on the screenplay, uh, McCannless, McCannley. Mm-hmm. That guy. Uh-huh. Don't at me, that guy. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, but he was like, "No, you can't. You have to bring him back. Like, you know, you can't just end it like that on yeah. this note where he's like, oh, he blew himself up. Bye.' Um, but yeah, the question of the giant's backstory, like we were saying, it was purposefully ignored because they wanted to focus more on his relationship with Hogarth. Sure. So it's more. It's. It's more about the relationship than about where the giant comes from, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just have questions. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Hughes himself, the Ted Hughes who wrote the original book, did get to read a copy of the script. Oh, good. And he sent a letter back saying how pleased he was. Aw. He really, really liked it. Good. So, something else that I thought was interesting when I was reading was that he was really open to others on the staff helping him develop the film, Bradbird. Mm-hmm. And he would often ask crew members their opinions on scenes and change things to, like, accordingly. Yeah. Which I think is really nice, you know. It is you nice. You often get somebody in charge of a whole movie that cares that much. Yeah. Um, well, it 
it makes sense. It's nice that he kind of practiced what he preached and yeah. that he was like, you know, you guys, I mean, because, I think it seems like he, that was his problem at Disney. And then yeah. he was like, well, I'm going over here. And then was like, I'm going to do it different here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's got, he's been given so much freedom himself. He might still be like, hey, anybody else want to weigh in? Right. Yeah. Let's all work together on this. <laughs> One of his priorities was to emphasize softer character based moments as opposed to more frenetic scenes, something that he thought was a problem with modern filmmaking. He says something, I didn't write it down, but he said something about, like, the way people make movies now is, like, they're afraid somebody's going to change the channel. Mm. So you have to constantly keep people, like, engaged with yeah the next emergency, basically. He also talks about clashing with executives who wanted to add characters, such as a sidekick dog. No. They wanted to set it in the present day no. and include a soundtrack of hip-hop. Oh, God. <laughs> and he was like, no to all of those things. No. The crew was really understaffed to make this movie. They gave them um, half of the time and half of the budget of every other, like, animated feature around that time. Yeah. Their um, previous financial failure, like I mentioned, from Quest for Camelot, helped shape their production. Mm -hmm. They told the staff that there would be a smaller budget as well as a time frame. And although the production was watched closely, Bird said... They did leave us alone if we kept it in control and showed them that they we were producing the film responsibly and getting it done on time. Because, again, no one was in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got one third of the money of a Disney film and half of the production schedule. Oh, wow. But the payoff was having more creative freedom. Yeah. And so Bird describes the film as fully made by the animation team, and I don't think any other studio can say that to the level that we can. The group would, like, gather in a screening room to view completed sequences and Bird would, like, offer suggestions by drawing on the screen with a marker. Yeah. The lead animator, um, Baisley, uh-huh. he suggested that this led to a sense of camaraderie among the crew who were unified in their mission to create a good film. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I can definitely see his frustration at being like, guys, we, we've been working really hard and policing ourselves and making sure that this movie got made on time and under budget and we're doing a good job. And you haven't made a single poster for this right, movie? Right, you had two and like, a half years. What the fuck? We worked so hard. You didn't even have to babysit us. Like, you had time. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can definitely see his frustration and... Yeah. It, it's justified. I mean, that's their job anyway, yeah. but especially in this, in, like, in this instance. Side note, Brad Bird personally animated the scene where Hogarth rants to Dean about his problems in a super fast pace after giving him espresso. Oh, <laughs> He did all that himself. What Probably cute? on a lot of espresso. Last thing that you're going to love. Yeah. The two train workers that Kent interviews at the train crash scene uh-huh. are voiced by and modeled after Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, two of the nine old men. Aww. Um, And, you know, two of his mentors also also at his early years at Disney. Yeah. So they do the voices and they look just like him. That's so cute. And I also... Don't... Frank and Ollie are also lifelong train enthusiasts and have extensive <laughs> scale model railroads in their backyards. That's adorable. So they are literally them. Yes. They're not even playing a character. They're just cute, sweet old dudes. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. I wrote that one of them <laughs> looks like a turtle. I don't remember which one it is, but he looks like the turtle from Robin Hood. Where oh, his, like, head's all sticking yeah. out, like, from his... He's just... I was like, that man looks like a turtle. But it's so cute to know that they were, like, probably hung out all the time with each other, too. Yeah. And we're, like, friends. And we're like, we would go over and play trains at each other's houses <laughs> after we've been, like, working with each other. For, that, you're right. That is adorable. That is really cute. I love that. Yeah. And that's all I have. Awesome. Yeah. 
I, I feel the same way that you do where it's like, I mean, the movie was fine, but reading about it was great. Yeah, I think it's really interesting and I like the approach to it. I like yeah. the message behind it. I like the way the studio worked to get it done. You know, yeah. it's all interesting and good and blah, 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 blah. But I, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, fun. Well, sorry. If this is your favorite movie, I'm dead apologize but <laughs> but we yeah. don't because we're here that's true it's what we do to talk about our own opinions if you have opinions make your own podcast on your shit yeah or email us <laughs> at <laughs> replay rewind podcast at gmail.com yeah you can message us on instagram and tumblr and replay rewind podcast and yeah you can now follow us on patreon and get some extra stuff you'll get some you know bonus content you can come hang out with us on discord there's all kinds of cool stuff going on over there we're excited to bring it to you. Just search Replay Rewind on Patreon. Yeah. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Apple even. Jesus. Yeah, if you've got Apple and you've got five minutes, go leave us a review because it helps. Oh, yeah. Just five-star review, it helps. And I, I've heard that you can do it on Stitcher too, so okay. that's no excuse for you Android people. You know, just... Rate and subscribe. Rate, yeah. It really helps us out. So, so more people can find us. Yeah and listen to our shitty opinions yes and you know tell your friends and remember that we love you (laughs) (laughs) and don't forget to stay fresh cheese bags reduce reuse recycle replay rewind robot i forgot robot Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.